Boom, and we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and as always, I'm here with Dr. Bear Paul Lando, coming to you live and in effect from the beautiful Smith River up here on the border of California and Oregon in the great state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme over the California um, delegates that are trying to mandate everything against humanity, it seems like these days, but we managed to kind of... Um, navigate around that up here and uh life is great and we hope you guys are all doing good today um it's just uh been quite a ride so far <laughs> this uh 2020 as we know you're all uh been on the ride with us and we just appreciate you so much thank you guys for um really supporting alpha vedic uh for those that are new to this uh platform um we are a lifestyle uh health co-op an off-grid we have an off-grid farm up here on the Smith River. And we're all about pushing the boundaries of health and wellness and individual sovereignty and freedom. So important for your health. And today we have two guests on that uh, are really proof of the pudding uh, when it comes to uh, just doing your own research and finding out your own modalities for health. Really exciting with Josh and Adam Biggleson on today. So uh, buckle up, get your notebooks out, and get ready for this one, because this is going to be a really fun show. Um, some orders of business real quick. Uh, we do have um, uh, a number of uh, wonderful things happening on the farm right now with harvest. I know we're getting towards the end of that because we have potential frost coming. So uh, Bear and Deb and our team have been up busy harvesting the Jiao Gulan, uh, we do, we, which means uh, we have lots of teas available on our site. So uh, we do love our teas. And if you are a tea fan, go to alphavedic.com and check out our immortality teas with our hand-picked Jiao Gulan. They are fantastic. Uh, also, I'm wearing today uh, our uh, Illumined hat. Uh, the Illumined hat, uh, which is available on our site as well as the Illumined shirts. And we have a number of really exciting designs coming out as we push the envelope for uh, new lifestyle products coming out of Alpha Vedic. Uh, uh, Bryden Lando has just done a wonderful job on design. And these are all custom, uh, custom sewn and custom cut tees and hats. And we're coming out with other merch so really exciting. Go to alphavedic.com to check that out. That's a really great way to support us and the show and everything we're doing. We're all about community, and we just thank you guys for uh, joining us on this ride. Like I said, um, it's just been so overwhelming, the support we've been getting this year. And you can uh, actually join us on Telegram. We have a very vibrant and active community there. T.me forward slash alphavedic is, uh, is the Telegram group. And then if you want to join us on Discord, that is alphavedic.com forward slash Discord. Those are two platforms we're supporting currently, even though Discord has shown um, some worrisome trends with um, some recent channels being shut down. So we'll, we'll stay on Discord for now. But the plan, of course, is to get Cordal off the ground. Cordal is a decentralized web hosting uh, platform that we're, we've been helping out with that I've been personally, I'm a founder of. Go to cordal.org and we need support. It's a fully decentralized, fully cooperative project, self-funded, all through donation, no corporation behind it. And the goal is to self-host the internet. And it's a big audacious plan, but if we can do it, then we can host our own discords, our own telegrams and never be taken down, which is so important moving forward for freedom. So Portal.org, please support that. 
And uh, any other questions, please go to alphavedic.com. And right now we're streaming live on DLive, uh, which has been great. They've been supporting so far. DLive has been wonderful for all of these different platforms of people speaking their, their truth. So we support them still. And you can find us every Thursday at 10 a.m. at DLive.tv forward slash alphavedic. Today, understanding the messages in the holographic blood with Josh and Adam Biggleson. Eastern philosophy believes there are holograms in the eye, ear, foot, and tongue. The same can be said for the blood. Outside of the basics such as red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, etc., the blood shows holographic images which may show disturbance fields. Quote, the day may yet arrive when one may take a drop of blood and diagnose the condition of the entire physical body. And that's by Edgar Casey, the man. Josh and Adam Biggleson join AlphaCast today. Uh, to discuss biotrain concepts in light of the prevailing biological warfare model of medicine steeped in fear and archaic quote-unquote science. We'll delve deep into their father's Harvey Biggleson, MD, system of live blood analysis to reveal how one drop of blood will show what the body is really concerned about. Uh, this discussion couldn't be more timely, and we promise this episode will forever change how you view your body and health. So true. And this is uh, one I've been really looking forward to, Dr. Bear Lando. How are you today? I'm doing great. And a warm welcome to you, Josh and Adam. Thanks so much. You know, I'm looking forward to this uh, very genuinely because, uh, you know, it's, it's a subject matter that is very close to me since I spent over 40 years in biotrain medicine and spending thousands of hours uh, looking under a microscope uh, you know, at things in our life form, uh, you know, similar to your dad. Um, you know, I was trained in the old school uh, German system of uh, pleomorphic bioterrain medicine, uh, studied with uh, Gaston Naissons, you know, when he was doing his seminars back in the day. So I have a long history in it. Uh, I want to start off, though, by telling you a little story. Uh, long ago, I had a, a patient with me. Uh, she happened to be pregnant. I had never heard of your dad yet, or was aware of his work. And we were looking at her blood together, which you know I always like to do. I had a monitor where I you know, put what I'm looking up on the, in the microscope up on the screen so we could both discuss it together and point things out. And uh, in the middle of the screen was a, um, I swear, just like the elements uh, within the blood were in the perfect shape of, uh, of a fetus. Uh, you know, with, uh, you know, the whole embryo with the fetus curled up in there. And, and we're both looking at that. Now, intuitively, I I'd, I'd never really encountered this or thought about it. But I just thought, I know there's something to this, but I didn't know what. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with time, I just kind of wrote it off and said, well, it's, it's like kids staring at clouds in the sky. I'm just, you know, conjuring up images or something. But it was pretty distinct. And it was it's so remarkable that my patient there was, uh, you know, amazed as well. So I noticed similar things happening because that kind of piqued my interest where I started paying attention in that way. Because, you know, prior to that, I was always focused in on little, you know, squiggly things coming out of cells and, and really not stepping back and looking at the panorama. And uh, so a number of years later, I came across uh, your dad's work. And uh, he's talking about the same thing. In fact, he's taking it to another whole level, uh, you know, and really documenting many cases of that. So I thought, 
okay, maybe there is something to this. Uh, I'm convinced now because fast forward a bunch of years later, I jumped in with both feet into areas of waveform physics and other things that we uh, talk about on our show. And, um, and not only did it explain exactly what you gentlemen are going to talk about today as far as holographic blood, but we can even explain uh, according to principles of resonance and waveform mechanics exactly why this isn't far-fetched at all and, and, and how that this sort of phenomena occurs in the first place. And, you know, it's delightful also because it explains many other things I've been involved with in my professional career. Uh, you know, I, I favor systems of uh, acupuncture, for instance, that, you know, look at the body holographically. So when I'm choosing treatment points, I'll very often go, they're called dung points, where I go in and treat one part of the body because I understand it's a hologram for the part that I actually really want to treat. So basically, this is the way our universe works. And I, the more I learn, I just think it's so curious that in my uh, conventional schooling, which was, you know, a lot, a lot of universities, graduate schools and all that kind of thing, they don't touch on these principles when in fact they would explain everything that in science we claim to want to know about. And so it's so amazing that you are carrying on your father's work, getting it out to the world. And uh, cause your father paid a dear, dear price for thinking out of the box. And I appreciate that too, because I've taken a few arrows in my back for doing the same thing. And I have two boys uh, myself, and they grew up uh, with the same sort of experience, maybe similar to what uh, you know you did with your dad. And you know, watched me having to practice in a certain way and look over my shoulder and and just be treated differently than you know normal doctors. So um, thanks so much for being here and thank you for what you're doing. And uh, I'll just follow your lead today. And I know Mike and I will want to jump in and some of our audience, I'm sure will have some questions too, just to, just to make this fun for everybody here. Thank you. Cool. cool. Right. Thank, thanks thank for you. having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been an interesting ride for us to say the least, definitely. Yes, it has. <laughs> And dad, um, dad at one point was, we were soliciting pregnant women. Is that weird to say? Um, <laughs> we were looking for pregnant women to see if we could find the baby in the blood. Um, and we've got some good pictures. And at one point, yeah, dad was telling people whether it was going to be a boy or girl based on one drop of blood. Um, at one point he was wrong. So we stopped doing that. Yeah, uh, you we, know, kids are being born so confused these days that, you know, it sort of looks like a boy in the blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it has been an interesting ride. You know, it's, Dad, dad was a fighter and he did some really awesome things. And at this point, Josh and I are not here to fight with anybody. Um, you know, dad paved away and as a fighter, he brought on some of the fight, um, but he really got some things accomplished, you know, for people that don't realize what he did. Um, you know, Arizona was the first state that had a law that separated the AMA from the HMA, which was the Homeopathic Medical Association. And our father wrote that law, you know, in the late eighties um, or mid eighties, he was in Arizona. And he realized that all these people were calling themselves holistic and homeopathic, and there was no consistency there. So basically, he made sure that the holistic and homeopathic doctors had anatomy background. So he made sure they knew how the body worked. So he more or less legitimized natural medicine in the United States. Um, he created the first holistic medical association, homeopathic medical association. He was the first president of the homeopathic board. 
and he gave out the first homeopathic medical licenses in the United States. Um, he did something great and then became public enemy number one for the AMA as he took power away from them. Um, and I remember the one health freedom expo where the, the woman came up to him and started yelling at him and said, you ruined my life with that law. I was practicing and all this stuff. And dad said, if you don't know anatomy and you don't know how the body works, get your hands off the body. It's yeah. like, you're a mechanic. You don't know how the car works. Why am I going to take my car to you? <laughs> so he did, he did good things and he definitely fought and fought and fought. Um, you know, the things that he was attacked for were ridiculous. He was brought up on charges of curing someone illegally at one point. Um, we have documentation that the AMA and uh, the doctors did not care that the person got better. And this, Josh, this was how many years ago did that book came out? Over 20 years ago, I think. Which book? Uh, the the medical conspiracy in America. Oh yeah, that's that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I mean they came after him for illegible handwriting. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. which you know Adam always joked about it in school. We had such bad handwriting, and he would say, "Well, my dad's a doctor," and everybody yeah. would laugh. He yeah. said it's one of the few things he learned in medical school is they actually taught him how to do a bad signature. <laughs> right, 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 and he was he was really high functioning. You know, it's. His brain worked differently and he was a math genius. He looked at math like a language and the way he looked at things was really, he processed a lot. When he found out about Edgar Casey, he was not a believer in these things at all. And something really piqued his interest. You know, even starting back in medical school, he was questioning things and they were telling him just to keep reading the book. And he would say, I think the book is wrong. You know, there's a point in time where books should be changed, um, not necessarily history books, but medical books, you know, things change. So he questioned his teaching um, in Vietnam. He questioned his government. He was taught to question quite a bit. And he really enjoyed what he did when he learned a different way. He was in his 30s. He was an eye surgeon. He had everything he wanted. We had the Porsche and the Jaguar. We didn't have art on our walls. We had artists paint on our walls. So he had everything, the American dream. And he was near suicidal. He was not happy. When he found out about the Edgar Casey thing, he was really intrigued. And I remember as a kid, he would come home from work every day with these stories. This person came in with this, and I looked up and I read and I found this, and then we did this, and this happened. He was really enjoying his work. And you know, we talked a little bit earlier before the show about skeptics. Dad was a skeptic. Um, there's the two types of skeptics. There's the one who's just a jerk, and then there's the skeptic who wants to see for himself. And, you know, we've, we've said this story before. When dad saw this work and the woman was in his office doing it, he didn't believe it. He watched this happen for about a year. She kept doing these things over and over and over until finally he said, okay, something's going on here. He was so, very, very left brain. I mean, like Adam said, he, he thought differently. I, I think we're all autistic in our own way. You know, uh, but we called him Rain Man. You know, he was a genius when he looked in the microscope and then we'd have to get him shoes he didn't have to tie. So <laughs> even when he was, I believe, in fourth grade, they gave him a math placement test. And instead of doing the test on page four, uh, on page 44, he did the test on page 444. So we did 11th grade math level test in fourth grade and he got 100% and he didn't show any work. He just did it all in his head. Right. So, of course, they said, you're cheating. And they gave him another test. The same thing, 100% and didn't show any of his work. So... You know, and Adam, we always joke about that. He made us all cry trying to teach us math when we were in school because we just yeah. couldn't see it the way that he saw it. Even when he'd bring up, he'd love to look at people's astrology chart and he looked at it like math. 
So he'd have their blood up there on the screen and have their astrology chart up there on the screen. And it was all coming from, from a math background. So it was, you know, we never knew any different. We kind of grew up in this. And it was only until, you know, the clinic got closed in 2014 and I started experiencing what other doctors did that I really started to really appreciate more the simplicity of what he was actually doing. But he had to fight. He had to fight his whole life. And some people like to fight. And no, he had to fight. You know, and then there's, there's, a, there's a big difference. Um, he fought for healthcare. He fought for people. Um, he fought for the positions. And in the end, I can't say really many people came up to stand up for him. Right. You know, when he, when he ended up losing his license, he went before the homeopathic board to get his homeopathic license. And there's a people who he'd given their license to. And they said, no, you should go to Mexico and buy a license there. So yeah. the people that he stood up for turned their back on him as well. So it's been, as Adam said, it's been an interesting ride. Um, you know, he always jokes about the only lottery he ever won was the draft lottery. So mm -hmm. he ends up going to, to Vietnam. And at that point, he's, a sur he's an eye surgeon. And eye surgery doesn't take precedence there. So they made him head of mass casualties in his unit. So he was responsible for doing triage. You know, the, the stretchers would come in and he had to decide whether the person was lucky enough to get help or they didn't have time to help the person. And it really it affected him because he knew there was people there he could help that they just couldn't get to. Yeah. And when he came home, you know, his goal was just to save everybody. And, you know, in Vietnam, he talked about his, his unit had a 98% survival rate. If they got you in, you, you lived. And when he got back home, he started seeing, you know, what was going on in the medical profession and how you know, people only, weren't only being saved, but a lot of times the treatments were, were killing people. So, and that's when he started to really look for, for different types of methods. So when he was in Vietnam, was he still, was he an allopathic uh, on, the, on the allopathic front still? Or yep. what was his background then at that time? Yeah, I think he was 26 or 27 and he was, yeah. a, straight, he was a straight eye surgeon. You know, we grew up and he grew up in, in, in Jewish Brooklyn, New York. So we always joke, but by the age of seven, he was forced to decide whether he wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, he said, well, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to cure cancer. And his mom says, well, you can't do that. And he says, why? That's what doctors are supposed to do. You know? <laughs> so even at seven years old, he was trying to save the world. Yeah. 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 Amazing. He, and I love that he was influenced by Edgar Casey. We talked about a little bit about that before the show that uh, Edgar Casey has been a big influence on, on myself since I read the sleeping prophet. And like I was saying, when I get, sometimes when I get a little ailment, I'll go check the records to see what Edgar, if Edgar Casey had that same case, when was, um, when was your father, first introduced to Edgar Casey's work and um, maybe go a little bit deeper into how that influenced him in his research. Sure. This was interesting. Dad was, he was practicing uh, as an ophthalmologist and he was doing great. And mom, you know, happy wife, happy life. So mom says, I want to go see a psychic. And dad says, sure, whatever. Here's some money. Go see a psychic. Um, he's not interested, doesn't believe. So as, as she meets the psychic, the first thing the psychic says is, I need to meet your husband we need to speak. So, okay, dad says fine and goes in to meet this guy. And this guy, this was Vincent Ragone, I will mention his name. Um, he introduced dad to the work of Edgar Casey, And uh, <clears throat> he was a very interesting psychic. We have met many, many psychics in our, in our lifetime. Some are really pretty amazing. Some are very interesting um, to say the least. Um, but dad was with Vincent at one point when um, the White House called and he had to leave to go to Camp David with Jimmy Carter. Uh, this, psychic, 
this psychic was psychic to four presidents. Not that you will ever find this written anywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. So he was a very interesting person. So dad, yeah, he learned about Edgar Casey. He did a little research because he's a scientist. Um, he took a trip to Arizona where there was an ARE clinic, which was an Edgar Casey clinic. And next thing you know, we're moving to Arizona. Um, he took a 70% cut in pay to help people. And as he went there, he, the ARE clinic was a great place for him. He learned a lot and he studied those readings, studied those readings. This is when he got together with his other doctors and they created the law at that point. But he really was thrilled. Some case would come in and, and just like you over there, Mike, he would look up the cases with Edgar's, Edgar's cases and read and read and read. And one thing he noticed after he started reading all these cases what, was that Edgar Casey recommended body work for everybody at the end of every treatment. He recommended more than anything else, he recommended osteopathy. Was really yes. not a big fan yeah. of chiropractors, but he recommended osteopathy more than any other thing. And when dad incorporated that into his practice, it really started to set him apart. Um, I'm sure uh, you're familiar with neural therapy. Uh-huh. Yes, I um, actually learned that in the old German school where we inject scars with procaine and yeah, I've done that for years. Right. So, so dad did it for a bunch of years and he would use the isopathic remedies, a lot of the bacterials and fungals. And, you know, when the clinic got closed, I moved up to Seattle. I, I was excited to be around different alternative physicians to see what they were doing. And I remember coming away from my two years, they're so demoralized. I'd look at somebody's blood and it was really obvious what was going on. We needed maybe a Frankenhauser, need to do the you know, pelvis injections, belly button, that sort of thing. And they would say, oh, I've had that three times already. Okay, so why is it showing up in the blood? Because if it's showing up in the blood, that means that the block hasn't been broken through. So I started to work with six or seven different naturopaths and saw what they were doing with neural therapy. And neural therapy was something that was always so, um, so divine, so important for us. So it was something that we kind of held sacred. And then I watched how it was being done and how it was being taught out there. And I realized it was very, very different from the way we did things. Um, first of all, we never, never really used more than one or two cc's of procaine. So the procaine was just, you know, a way to get the remedies in. So we would use some of the bacterials and fungals. We'd use cell therapy with it, but just a little bit of procaine. And I'm watching these practitioners use 10, 15 cc's of procaine, 20 cc's of procaine, which as some people know, basically that just gets you stoned. So these, the, we've got these stone clients in there. The other thing is we never did neural therapy without the osteopath in the room. So as soon as the needle goes into the body, the body goes, what the hell are you doing to me? And goes right in sympathetic mode, right? So immediately the body thinks it's being attacked. It's right in fight or flight. So we would come in and the body worker would put, put their hands on the body and start to, to bring the body back into parasympathetic mode. And it, it made a huge difference. And I didn't realize how much of a difference it made until I saw it, doing, saw it being done other, you know, other ways. And I was watching these clients come in and yeah, they needed the crown of thorns. They needed their head injected. I watched them get 25 shots in their head with 15 pieces of procaine and walk out of the, the, the place stoned. You know? well, well, could you explain to our audience what procaine is? It's just an anesthetic, right? Yeah, and it just breaks down to 2B vitamins. So it really works on the circulation. And yeah, if you're using high doses of it, you're gonna be euphoric for a good 20 or, or 30 minutes. So, you know, people kept going back to their doctor because they loved him. But in the, in the end, it seemed like the doctor was just their pusher. They were going there to get stoned, yeah. you know. And, you know, we had to start treating people from needle trauma. Like they hated neural therapy after it was over because they'd come down and the symptoms were still there. Right. They, they didn't break through the disturbance field. So, you know, it really made me, I always knew body work was really important. But, you know, watching things be done 
in a different way really made me appreciate the simplicity of my dad's work and just the approach to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up osteopathy because osteopathy, um, you know, present day osteopaths, not saying anything bad about them, but they don't learn old school techniques anymore. You know, I, I have a chiropractic license Well, I let it go a long time ago. But, you know, I did conventional medical certification. Then I went to naturopathic college because that was more my inclination. But back then, I was still in California, and they, this was in the 70s, they didn't license naturopaths anymore uh, or ever. So I went and got a chiropractic degree just so I'd have an alternative license uh, that I could practice. And, you know, my old one was only good if I was in a hospital. So um, chiropractic was, I'm, I picked up some good techniques and everything, which I thought were valid only for when somebody has adhesions and things. And if you're very skilled, you can, you know, kind of uh, interrupt those adhesions and do some good things. But I never wholesale bought the thing that, you know, adjust the spine and you'll be fine and just over adjust, over adjust. So uh, I learned from, uh, you know, some early um, osteopaths, like the old school icons, mm -hmm. and first started with craniopathy. And it just changed everything. First of all, it trained me into the sensitivity of being able to feel those subtle underlying rhythms in the first place. And after I did that for a few years, I hooked up with uh, a gentleman from France, uh, uh, John Burrell, Pierre Burrell, uh, who took that to another level of visceral manipulation, another level of refinement. And uh, so most of my years were centered very largely about uh, around osteopathy, adjusting the visceral, the cranium and that sort of thing. And then interjecting some of the things you're talking about, like with neurotherapy, one of the um, you know, most common things I'd end up doing is uh, because I, I traced a lot of problems that people were having to dental issues. Mm -hmm. And very often dental procedures were blocking the meridians going through the teeth. So I would do neurotherapy very frequently in people's mouths in order to, you know, get rid of the, you know, the impedance to meridian flow. And of course, every tooth is associated, you know, with a meridian that's, uh, you know, connected to a certain organ. You know, maybe, um, it, maybe this is a good time if you wouldn't mind talking about it. Um, you know, we talk about bioterrain medicine here quite frequently, but unfortunately, most of the discussions with the people we interview and even in-house here, uh, centers around microbes, and uh, obviously microbes are a huge part of the bioterrain. But it might surprise people that there are advanced uh, systems or taxonomies of healthcare based on the bioterrain. For instance, uh, and and I'm kind of digging into this one a little bit because you brought up homeopathy. And uh, there's a system that I learned early on. Uh, it was developed in Germany also when I was, you know, they're learning a lot about train medicine. I was uh, introduced to homotoxicology. And homotoxicology, as I know you gentlemen are very familiar with, uh, understands that there is normal processes in the body and you go through six predictable phases uh, from health to what we would define as disease. And, uh, you know, you can look at them in thirds, you know, the first third is like what we call the humoral phase where maybe you have toxins and things 
accumulating in your blood or in your fluids, but the body has normal excretion mechanisms. And if you're in good health, the body will just eliminate everything and then you go back to perfect health. If that doesn't happen or if those homunculi channels are blocked in some way, then you go to the matrix phase where things are, you know, impregnating actually getting tattooed into your body tissues yeah. and then the third phase of course it's actually creating cellular phase uh, uh cellular degeneration and changes uh the things that we associate with real bad things in medicine and uh not only um can can you just see what's happening by way of symptoms that we can pick up in clinical medicine but also when you look at all the different tissue types in the body and let's just say a person has a, neurolog uh, a neurological degenerative process like ms going on and then you in homotoxicology uh, can kind of trace that and realize that that kind of deterioration of the myelin sheath only happens when they're in this particular phase uh, according to the homotoxicology model so if all doctors just knew that they would understand so much and how to treat people and how to reverse the process and it's it's so logical and so boneheaded that it's just yeah. and it would amaze most medical doctors if they had simple truths like that yeah so uh anything you might want to care to add uh, what uh, i can say is, what i can say is come on people really like this chart, <laughs> nobel, nobel prizes have been won with work based on this chart this makes sense you know there's a there's a chiropractor and for chiropractors, we can't generalize anymore because they're evolving and they're doing so many varied things. Uh, there's one we're working with right now. And when he saw this chart, he printed it up for all of the people in his office. Like this is, this is a big deal. This makes sense. And <clears throat> when we follow the way things work, the person that is, that we do the consultations for gets it. It makes total sense. And understanding is the first experience. For us, we're here to educate and empower people so they can learn to take charge of their health care. People would come to dad and say, fix me, doc. And dad would say, I don't fix anybody. Part of it is you are part of the problem. You need to be a part of the solution. And I'm going to support the body, and the body's going to fix itself. All right. So this, if people look at this chart and study it just a little bit in relation to themselves, they're going to go, holy crap, this makes sense. You and the way I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the way it works with, you know, with the six phases is interesting because the first one is normal. You know, you've got your excretion. That happens. Um, things like sweating, your skin organ. It's, you're sweating. It's gross. So we take antiperspirant. Well, it can't get out of the body. So now your body is going to deal with inflammation. It's going to push things out. And inflammation is such a hot topic. Inflammation, people, is how we heal. Okay. When inflammation becomes trapped, then things start to deposit into the body, and now you have a problem. This is when things go from bacterial to fungal in nature. You start to mold, and the reality is things are going to manifest wherever you are weakest. So it can start with sweating, it can go to acne with the inflammation, and the next thing you know, you can start to have bronchitis if you've got maybe some grief in your life because the lungs, that'll weaken your lungs. So this, this, chart, is, this chart is like, it's like law for us. Why don't people know about this? That's what dad said. He said, if, if, if the physician doesn't understand homotoxicology, they don't understand how disease and health actually work. There's a specific progression that goes on. You don't get from step one to step six. You got to go through steps one, two, three, four, and five to get to the end stage, you know, cancer, that sort of a thing. Um, and, you know, obviously we follow the old concept of pleomorphism, which is near and dear to us. And 
Um, when we look at the blood, we're looking at you know all sorts of things. The single most important thing for us are we're going to look at the symbionts, right? They've been called many things: uh, somatids, symbionts, endobionts, bions, activators, regenerators, all sorts of crazy names. Protids. Yeah. Protids. You know what we've seen the alarming trend with. You know, we don't like to be confused with live cell analysis because we do it a little differently. And so many live cell analysis people are doing things that I don't know where they learned that, but that's wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> a lot of it's based on bad guesses. So a lot of them discount the actual somatids as fat particles, right? So they, they, they don't really exist. So they're discounting the single most important thing we think there is. Yeah. So we always talk about the body, and this, this won't be news to you guys, but, um, you know, we look at the body like a nice flowing river. You throw a few boulders in the river, now you've got little back eddies there, and in the back eddies, the garbage accumulates. Now you throw a dam in the river, now you've got a pond, right? So what happens when our, when our body starts to stagnate, our pHs will change. And when the pHs change, then the somatids start to morph also, and they morph into bacteria, right? So we're creating the bacteria in our, in our own body, and the bacteria is there to help us. It's like, our, it's like our body's vacuum cleaner. It goes and cleans up the garbage. Right, and if we don't fix the terrain at that point, and we continue to stagnate, the pHs continue to shift, and now the body's creating a fungus. And Dad always looked at the at cancer as a mold. The body's actually starting to mold. So now, what I'm learning over the last few years is the more we look at what's going on with, with nature, and mushrooms are there to, you know, withdraw toxicity from the soil. So our body is now creating a fungus to withdraw toxicity from the body itself. Mm -hmm. so everything the body is trying to do. Is is heal, which is why the very notion of autoimmune is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. The body's never going to attack itself, yeah. right? So now, when I was up in Seattle, I saw practitioners talking about pleomorphism, but they taught it one way, as a way to enforce that germs were a problem. So now this is the second time. First, they're ruining neurotherapy for me, and now they're taking <laughs> pleomorphism, which is so, yeah. you know, and, so and true. as a way to scare people. They never taught it can be reversed. You fix the terrain, the pH is balanced out, the fungus goes back to a bacteria, back into a healthy somatid. So it goes both ways. They were teaching people, oh, you've got a spirochete in your blood, you're always gonna have this disease, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was really, really tough for me. So we go off to Spain a couple years ago, that this is great, somebody invites us to go speak in Spain. So we get there and we're speaking to a group of regenerative agricultural farmers. And we really have, you know, I've had my head in a microscope for 20 years. Adam is a music teacher, a school teacher, you know. So we go there and we're doing this lecture and everybody's nodding. They all know who Rudolf Steiner is. And they're talking about the soil the same way we talk about the body, yeah. you know, introducing the bacteria into it and how the bacteria comes into it. And now we know the soil is getting better. So it was kind of like we'd found our people at that point in time. So we, we've always viewed the body as a garden. If you have healthy soil, then good things grow. And if you have lousy soil, then the garbage starts to grow. And it's all about creating that balance. So for us, you know, it's funny. We did these shirts years ago when Dad was still around. I don't know if you can see that, but it's germs are us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want one of those. <laughs> you yeah. know, and then we've got the back, which is the terrain is everything. Yeah. And it's just yeah. the exact Beautiful. opposite of what yeah. we hear these days. And, and I'll finish on this. It was alarming to see what was going on with alternative medicine. Um, what I saw was green allopaths. Yeah. So, you know, they were treating every symptom on the tree with an herb or supplement. And, and herb and supplements are very complimentary. But, you know, sometimes you got to get your hands on and take care of the physical as well. So, you know, for us now, we align much more with osteopathy and acupuncture. 
and an eastern philosophy. Well, you can't find an osteopath to save. I mean, they're almost extinct, I feel like, in most places. They, 90% they, of them, yeah, just sit there with a prescription pad. And I, we were raised, I was raised by people like Dr. Fulford and Viola Fryman. Oh, yeah. So I was raised having the best hands there were on me. You know, yeah. Did I just, you actually I, go to Dr. Fulford? Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. Absolutely. He, him and dad worked together for a while. And uh, yeah, he was charging $25 at that time. And he was... Yeah. He was one of our heroes. He saved he, him and him and his student Steve Davidson pretty much saved my life after I ran into a water fountain. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> but I thought that I, was the uh, norm. <laughs> I trained with Dr. Fulford and his percussion technique, and you know, cool. just just uh, got in the back pocket of every of the every one of the top osteopaths around. You know, just a quick comment um, back to the six stages of disease and homotoxicology because. Uh, in Chinese medicine, when you look at their Bible, Zhang Han Lun, you know, it talks about six stages of disease. And I learned Chinese medicine uh, actually concurrently with homeopathy. So I was amazed when I was just seeing all these parallels between the two, mm. saying the same exact thing. Um, you know, I'm glad also on your comments with Dark Field and the reason why when I started talking at the beginning here about my background with uh, biotrain medicine, I was careful to, to distinguish between old school German microbiology versus dark field, the way it's yeah. taught these days, which I, I you know, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of great folks out there, but I think it's just a way to sell microscopes and allow people with limited training to set up shop and have nutrition, uh, you know, practices and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, you too. also brought up pH. Now, I look at pH more as an electrical phenomenon, you know, too much or too little resistance and you either have, you know, premature aging or stagnation, depending on what side you're at. But we um, adjust pH in ways other than diet. Um, now, diet is critical, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. But uh, another thing that I get a little fatigued with is reading all the things online about, you know, you eat these certain foods that will make you alkaline and so forth. But the fact is, is that what might be an alkaline food in and of itself, if I eat it, it might make me alkaline. It might make, you know, you, Josh, acidic, uh, you know, Adam, it might do nothing to you as far as your pH. So it's really not about diet as far as I'm concerned. And I've come to the conclusion that it's more about the uh the thoughts and toxic emotions that we entertain yes. you know in our within ourselves that are going to adjust our ph more than anything else and then when we wanted to um you know make a difference in ph if we thought it would uh you know help the bioterrain recover it wasn't through alkaline foods it was tweaking through biochemical methods that would push the electrical phenomena one way or the direction, you know, one direction or the other. So if, if you might, you know, any thoughts you have on that. Yeah. yeah let me jump in for a second, Adam, and I'll have you talk about the pH meter. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> First of all, thank you very much for saying that. <laughs> yes. We talk about this all the time and it's just people glaze over. Diet is very important. It's about 30 seconds of our two hour lecture. Yeah. Okay. Eat, eat healthy eat organic, eat with joy, you know, eat with common sense and other source of your food. So yeah, um, people trying to change, everybody hears acid, bad, acid, cancer, acid, 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 right? So they go to this alkaline based diet. 
where in reality, what your, your diet contributes about what, two to 5% of your pH, right? So it's your kidneys and lungs that control your, your pH. So I think we're lucky that it doesn't control more of our pH. When dad was really known for his cancer work, every single one of his cancer patients had a high alkaline blood, mm -hmm. high alkaline. They were all 7.5, 7.5, you know, 7.5, 7.5 or higher, right? If you got that pH down, 7.35, the cancer died all over the body, right? So people, a lot of people are testing their urine, right? They're testing the waste product, right? So it's a big difference. You know, if the, if the blood is alkaline, the urine's going to be acidic. So people are testing their urine and going, oh my God, I'm acidic. I got to change my diet. So thank you for saying that. Yes, it's, it's all about balancing the body out so the pHs will balance out on their own. And then Adam will jump a little bit here. But it's really nice to hear, hear that because I've become disillusioned with what I've been hearing from alternative medicine over the past bunch of years. And diet's important, but we don't even really talk about it in our lectures. Right. And, and people, um, dad knew Atkins, was a friend of his from the Atkins diet. And the reality with that diet is it more people lost weight on that diet than any other diet, but a lot of people gained weight on that diet. And the question is why? It's because it wasn't for everyone and everyone's different. So dad would say, it's not what you eat. It's more important is the attitude with which you eat it. And he did have a guy that he used to lecture with and the, the guy would put a pH meter into someone's arm and he would come into the room and say, the test results don't look good. And the pH would spike. <laughs> He's testing their blood pH. Yeah, yeah. Blood and he pH, would say, yeah. no, no, things are wrong. You know, there was the wrong file, whatever, things are fine. And then pH would change. So attitude, stress. And are we stressed? Are you kidding? I looked at a, um, a chart recently that talked about cancer rates around the world over the last 30 years. And I think U.S. is number one right now. Number one. Yay. Um, and you watch it over the th last 30 years and it rises and Mexico is right next to it. And Mexico has some of the lowest cancer rates in the world. Okay. And you watch as the slider goes over the 30 years and U.S. gets red and red and red. Mexico kind of stays the same. What's the difference? You know about the Mexican uh, culture and attitude and things are kind of relaxed and things happen manana. You know, um, there are things like siestas. I think that might be more Spanish, but the reality is there's a different stress level. The United States, it's all about stress, 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 microwave your food, eat your food in your car, get to work and make your money. And that's fine, except, you know, there's a lot of cancer that's involved with that. So pH, it's, it's a funny one for us. pH, people get so excited with their alkaline water. And when people get excited, that's great. If something works for you, people, Awesome, share it, but do not be offended if it doesn't work for someone else, if it doesn't work for your friend. And the other thing with pH too is interesting because people are getting in line with the idea of pH and cancer, definitely. Um, I looked up just mold in general and how does mold grow? Lack of oxygen and alkaline environment, okay? So we would oxygenate people. Hyperbaric chambers would get rid of, cancer can't live in oxygen, things like that. Um, we did watch a documentary, Awesome Regenerative Agriculture, and the guy talks for five minutes about pH. And I said, hey, Josh, go listen to this. And the guy talked and Josh said, wow, that's very interesting. It's exactly wrong. <laughs> so people are close. You know, it's just a little bit more of an education really helps. Urine pH, saliva pH, blood pH. Um, we have the cancer doctors at the clinic in Mexico that I'm working with. The doctor's dad worked with 30 years ago. And we really want to do more research and document things. So asking them about the pH of their cancer patients. Oh, yes, they, they verify all of this. Um, Josh is asking one of the doctors to check pH of the blood, the red cells, and then check pH of the plasma as well. 
to see if we can see a difference in relationship there. So pH for us, yeah, awesome. The funny thing too is terrain. If we come back to terrain, a kid, a child, how old are you when you get a fish tank and you learn about the pH of the fish tank? There's that little sticker that goes right on the side and it shows you where your pH is and you've got to save your fish. You are their God. You adjust their terrain <laughs> and all is well. And you've seen that yep. cool picture where there's that, that gross looking fish tank and then the happy fish tank. And it says germ theory, vaccinate the fish. And terrain theory, clean up the terrain. So pH is part of the whole show. That's probably why I you had know, a goldfish. Uh, goldfish lived for twenty years. I got from a <laughs> from a local carnival, <laughs> and it was like in going to college, and that damn goldfish was still there. My dad was like, "Dude, this is the longest living goldfish ever." Because I was super nerdy into the pH. One thing I'll say, Bear, I know you were going to chime in. There's so much to unpack here, guys. Mm -hmm. What we're covering, and the, the community is is there's got a really good chat going on right now too, and questions coming up, but. Cool. What it seems like, and something we always talk about here, which is which the allopaths and the mainstream just cannot factor in, is the idea of spirit and mind connected mm -hmm. to body. We're literally talking about how emotions, and we did a whole alpha cast on emotions, are your health. And it's that, you know, we've seen it in the placebo studies, the nocebo studies, and this is, this is the core of it. It's, mm -hmm. we got to get out of the materialism because all of this is, is, and we'll get into the, and this will be a great way to, get into the holographic stuff soon is that literally our mind is creating these effects and the pH, all of this stuff is after effects, right? right. From, right. from the real work. So intentionality, mindfulness, doing the work inside, meditating, all of this stuff we talk about, it's real because of this. Yeah. So I just want to put that out there because that is what we talk about a lot. And it's this materialism that, this reductionism that dominates quote unquote science mm -hmm. and current medical mainstream paradigm that is destructive. It's anti-nature. It's, it's like, let's get out of our own way, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. Totally. it's that, it's that simple. So um, bear anyways, I didn't mean to cut you off, sir. I just had to throw that no, out. No. It's itching at me. No, I, I was just going to comment that, you know, I, I think the problem with doctors is we're all in our heads and we never get to um, think like a tradesman, an electrician, a farmer. I'm a full-time farmer now since I you know, retired my clinic. That's, I'm a permaculture farmer. And you learn more out there than you, know, than you ever learned in medical school. Yeah. Um, but you know, take pH uh, and all the dialogue out there about this good, this bad. Well, an electrician is not going to measure pH, which is electrical resistance, in an isolation tank, they're going to look at amperage, conductivity, all sorts of things. So if I really want to um, put pH into the equation, even though I look different at it, I still pay attention to it. You know, I take the urine uh, pH, the saliva pH and weigh it two times. Uh, I do salt and sugar readings. I do urea readings. And that all gives you clues as far as the conductivity because any electrician knows that okay, that's good that we know how fast the electricity is moving, but how much is actually traveling through the wires is going to affect that greatly and a number of other factors. So if I do look at pH, I'm going to look at it as a total picture. And, and again, not just say, oh, maybe if we eat more, you know, green leafy vegetables, we're going to change our pH. Um, so yeah, there's, there's just so much more to it 
And uh, if you're talking about pH, well, what are you talking about? The pH of the blood, okay. the pH of the stomach, the pH of the small intestine. Right. Uh, there's supposed to be different pHs in different compartments. And so we just have such a simplistic notion about it. And that's forgivable in the lay population, but I don't think it's forgivable when you go to a naturopath, a chiropractic uh, uh, office, or uh, a medical doctor, and they just don't understand real basic things that a tradesman that's working on your house is like light years ahead of you, even though he didn't have all your years of school. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, we could, you know, go further on that, but uh, the holographic model of uh, uh, of the universe and what you call holographic blood is really where my interests are these days. So if you guys want to open up that door, that's... And uh, just on that holographic universe, that plays in the hermetic principle as above, so below, right? And that, yeah. it, this is what's so fun. And I, I, as I'm really looking forward to the discussion right now is because this is fractal in nature, the holograph. It goes all the way up and down. So you blood is just one element and that is fascinating to look at. And actually, I was just going to, get back into Bichamp's fourth element of blood, that book, which I've, it's dense reading, but, and he touches on that aspect of the protids and stuff, right? And he's one of the, I mean, he's the founder really of that idea, but that we can relate to as broad as we want to go to the universe, to, to the microbiology. So it's really exciting that finally, like that people are, are, connecting all these dots and it's just great to see what your guys's work uh is doing with the blood and maybe we could even show a couple pictures i could throw you guys to be the host if you want to or we could just redirect people to the website but i would love to yeah let's let's go into the hall let's go into this okay and i gotta tell you too you know as you talk about um emotions josh and i just talked about this recently um dad's cancer patients the lung cancer patients grief yeah. The liver cancer patients, anger. You know, so for people listening, um, emotions are a big deal. And one of the things that dad and Josh would give people as homework is your list of joy. So anything that brings you joy, read a book, take a walk, play your guitar, call a friend, sing a song. You've earned it. You deserve it. And you need 10 minutes of it every day. We lecture with Misha Kohayashi, who's the director of the Emoto Peace Project. Mm-hmm. And she says we have between 60 and 80,000 emotional episodes a day. 80% of them are negative. There's so much negativity going on right now. Um, Anna Maria Oliva, who's a scientist, and uh, she did a cool interview. And at the end, the, the guy said, so what do we do you know, during these times? She said, turn off your TV because you're getting brainwashed and all those, the, uh, the ions that are coming out of there is not healthy. Take off your shoes, go outside, and hug a tree. Yes. You know, and she said the pH of electricity with your feet on the ground and the negative ions coming out of nature. This is important. This is a scientist telling you, if you want to be healthy, take off your shoes, turn off the TV, and go outside and hug a tree. So that's important. Joy is important to us. Um, Dr. Emoto was trying to show us how emotions affect water because he wanted to show us how emotions affect us. And we didn't know he tried to do it with the blood first and he wasn't able to. So when he found out about dad's work, he was thrilled because dad is showing emotions in the blood and it's directly related to health issues that you're having. So emotions are huge, huge, important. Um, the images we see. Right, before we get to the images, hold okay. on. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Um, yeah, just to piggyback on the emotions thing is, yeah, the, obviously emotions are a thousand percent behind 
why we, we, we go down our path of health or, or wellness or disease. And what happens though is, is the emotion gets physically locked into your body. So we work on the body physically to release the emotion, right? So I, I'm in a minority, minority where I never think the organ is the primary cause of anything. There's always a reason the organ isn't working, right? So the person's got grief issues, so we're going to take as much pressure off those lungs as possible so the body can process the grief. Even when the scars, we'd work on the scars, more important than the physical scar was the emotional trauma behind the scar. So we've seen big scars cause small problems and tiny scars cause huge problems. And we tell the story all the time about a client who came in and after a few months was about 80% better. And, you know, they thought they were good to go. And dad's a bit of a perfectionist. So um, it comes down to when she was seven or eight, she stepped on a rusty nail. It got infected. She had to get a tetanus shot. Um, her parents held her down on the table while the doctor gave her their shot. So she felt like the doctor was attacking her and her parents weren't there to protect her. And all of that emotion was trapped in the smallest little scar that you'd ever see. And as soon as he treated that scar, everything turned around. Yeah. So it's people come in and you can see in the blood that the physical trauma, you can see the emotions also. And you figure out, okay, well, it was this, you know, this appendix surgery that really kicked things off. And then you ask them, how was your life a year or two before that? And they just start to cry. Right. So the emotion sets up the injury. The emotion sets up the surgery. So instead of us dealing with the emotion directly, we deal with the physical manifestation of it. So then they can process the emotion on, the own, on their own. And then it's done without the healing crisis. Right. And when I went up to Seattle after working with my dad for so many years, in six months, I saw, I don't remember seeing a healing crisis in my, in my dad's clinic. Right. And I remember seeing just every treatment, there's just chaos. And there's that exorcism. <laughs> what the hell's going on? You know? yeah. Yeah. And I asked my dad, he says the healing crisis comes when the physician is either pushing too many buttons or pushing the wrong buttons. It's not a good thing. There's a law to how nature works, right? And you're not curing it with hysterics, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, he, he would do some simple treatments. Sometimes they cry a little bit. Sometimes they go have a big bowel movement and flush that emotion away. Yeah. But the emotions came out in a way that you could handle it because he was dealing with it physically. Right. So yeah, emotions a thousand percent behind everything. Emo yeah, emotion, uh, right? Electrical motion. It's memory. It's it's built into us. So mm -hmm. it, and we talk about this a lot. Bear has done wonderful presentations on this, and I mean this goes all the way up to the spiritual masters. They say master your emotions. It's like the most important thing. It's doing the spiritual work. That's right. just manifesting physically, and it's amazing that. I mean that that your father was really on point with that. It's just uh, it just brings yeah, Josh, it all together, right, Bear? Yeah, that, Josh, that's an uh, an amazingly important point because you know early on in my career, I you know knew some tricks of the trade, but uh, you know not enough experience. And very often people would have um, you know all these reactions to treatment. You know we call them, oh that's a Herxheimer reaction, and mm -hmm. it's not my fault. It's just normal. <laughs> well, the the more I learn how to sequentially you know lay out uh, a a system of uh, therapeutics, you know that was unique to that individual every time. Uh, never had that. Never had it. Even very sick, toxic people never had it. It was always a very gradual. Uh, process. And, and I just put that out because, you know, people that, um, you know, are introduced to certain holistic concepts, they think, well, if I heal, I'm gonna have to go through this hell in the meantime. Right. No, you really don't have to, uh, right. not no. at all. Right. So I just wanted to throw in, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, I, I appreciate that. You don't have to put through pain to heal. You right. don't have to no. relive the awful emotion. You already lived it once. Why would you want to live it again? 
Yeah. You know, and it, it yeah, was and emotions. Emotions are, you know, when you get into the waveform physics, and we understand this is in reality a thought-based universe. It gives birth to those electrical vectors that then resonate into mm -hmm. our matrix, so to speak, to give us this experience. It is emotions that give those electrical vectors the velocity in order to pop into our reality in the first place. So emotions are absolutely key. And uh, interestingly, exactly what you said, you know, anger, liver, and so forth. It's exactly right. what Chinese medicine came up with thousands of years ago. And in, in my uh, opinion, another gentleman, Dr. Homer in um, New German medicine has taken it to another uh, you know, level of understanding and neurological, embryological based understanding. And, you know, whether you agree with that or not, I think there's a lot of truth to it. And uh, so, you know, this is not new information and it keeps developing into new levels. And we realize, yeah, the only thing really that's the most important to clean up is our own backyard. Yeah, Ab absolutely. And then, you know, dad always talked about you know, this is his work, we call it the Bigelson Method, but it's his work and it's carrying on the work of wonderful people. The Bechamps, Lamarck's, Einstein's, you know, Homer's part of our lecture, he's part of our book, you know, mm -hmm. understanding how the person gets sick. If you don't, can't figure out the cause, then you're just guessing and trying to fix it, you know, and going after every scar, <laughs> I'll finish on this. Remember vividly, we see the belly button and the umbilical ligament is one of the most common things that we see, right? And you just, you know, I'm sure you know, but a lot of people don't know anatomy. A lot of doctors don't know anatomy and how that umbilical ligament attaches to the roof of your diaphragm and goes down to your pubic symphysis. So when we're born, they pull out the umbilical cord too tight here in the U.S. and it pulls the diaphragm down onto your liver. Your liver backs up. Mm -hmm. We get extra pressure on our kidneys. You know, it can pull towards your spleen. It can pull towards your liver. We can't breathe the way we're supposed to because our lungs can't expand. So one of the first treatments we would always do is we treat the belly button and diaphragm. And you go from sitting like this just sitting like this, yeah. you know, dad cured half my soccer team asthma just with that one treatment because they could breathe again. Yeah. So the first treatment he always yeah. did was that just get him to breathe a little bit. So I'm, I'm with a, with a doctor, uh, and the blood is clearly showing this is what needs to be done. And the patient comes back out the patient's pissed off and angry. I'm like, well, what the hell went on in there? The doctor's like, Oh, well, he had a big gallbladder scar. Also, I did that too. It's like the blood was telling you, the area to go after because this is what the body wanted done. Right. Right. The gallbladder, who knows what kind of emotion stuck in there. We know rage is going to be part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you can't just release this all at once. There's a law and order and how you do things. And we were always so lucky because for me, it took my brain out of the equation. I was just reading what the blood said and the blood is saying what the body wants help with. It was very straightforward. You don't have to peel back the onion layer to get to the core. Right. Okay. You yeah, work on the great. core and, and the onion opens up. Yeah. The umbilicus uh, is a great point to bring up, and I very often treated that and uh, all the emotional uh, component behind working with the umbilicus, we referred to it as the birth trauma because yep. uh, the way we are birthed into this world is very traumatic if you're born in a hospital. Yes, yeah. totally. Yeah. We, totally. Um, people, you know, the first step people would do when we were up in, in uh, Seattle was, okay, well, this has to do with your parents, so let's go do some family constipation therapy, oh, family constellation therapy, <laughs> right? So let's go deal with your ancestors. Well, we always believe that the scar holds in the trauma, right? So, and the belly button's a scar, so that's holding in the, our birth trauma, like you said, and it's holding the emotion of our parents. More often than not, you know, it's the strain the parents go through that dictates what's going on intrauterine and how the baby comes out. So we would help people release their past, and I believe in past lives, 
um, but people are complicating things a little bit. But yeah. you work on that on that belly button, you release that scar tissue, there's your cutting your connection with your parents and your past right there. And it was wow. really a simple way to go about it. That's so amazing. That is so yeah. cool. Yeah, it's the amount of things that we've seen change from that simple, simple treatment was pretty amazing. Just thinking about the fact that you can get a deeper breath. And as I said before, disease cannot live in oxygen. And the reality is you were compromised since the day you were born. That's a big deal. And as you keep growing up, this keeps pulling down. This is, you get pressure on your liver, there's more process or problems processing anger. You know, kidneys, there's your anxiety. So this makes total sense to us. You get a belly button treatment, you stand up straight, you breathe better, you get a few more IQ points because the cerebral spinal fluid flows more freely. You're able to process all your emotions much more freely. Like this is, this is huge for us. Simple, simple belly button. Do the doctor? Can you explain realize, the belly button, what exactly you're doing with the belly button? Yeah, we'll do the, uh, we'll do trigger point injections. So we're injecting the belly button with the procaine and typically our, our isopathics, depending on the person, and it releases the scar tissue. And then as the scar tissue is released from the umbilical ligament, we get the body worker in to help support the body right then. And it's you know, we don't, yep, sorry. He'd always work on the, treat the belly button, but treat the diaphragm points along with it. He'd, he would treat all parts of the actual ligament itself, right? Mm -hmm. And the procaine helped a little bit, but adding the isopathics, adding the bacterials and fungals into it really started to, you know, take the healing to the next level. So you're trying to regenerate the scar tissue as much as you can at that right. point in time. And then you uh, basically you align the body and let the body do its thing. You know, one of our things on our history forms is we always ask people if they had mono. And if they had mono, then you, you know the birth was traumatic because that's what mono is, is the person starting to grow and the umbilical ligament is just pulling that diaphragm down on the liver and the liver keeps backing up. It's, it, I mean, you know, it's not even transmittable. You can't be transmitted by kissing. I don't even know how they came up with that one. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But it was just, it was a really, simple way of looking at things and dad always said he just he just taught common sense and he said health is so simple that even i could understand it <laughs> yeah even josh could understand it yeah <laughs> yeah um so and to talk about the holograms too we do see we see the belly button and the ligament in quite a few people's blood um right now for people that are listening you can look at your belly button and if you have that pretty little any belly button i think that's the medical term for it um your umbilical cord was tied too tight um, as we travel through Europe and stuff, we've seen a lot more things with midwives. Uh, midwives, if you're out there, you are awesome. Do you have any idea how much you've contributed to the intelligence of our future? That's a big deal. I agree. So, and let's talk about the holograms now for a minute. Holograms, you know, we didn't get too much into uh, the physics behind it because that's a whole world in itself. Um, Dr. D, you can maybe jump in on that, but the simplicity of, when you're creating a hologram, beams of light are split, things are refracted, and you're basically taking a picture of an interference field or a disturbance field. Now in the body, everything vibrates at its own frequency. All matter vibrates at different frequency. We know this, this is science. So in the body, tissue, different frequencies, different organs. When something is in dysbiosis or out of balance, it changes the frequency. At this point, we see a disturbance field or interference field in the body. If everything is doing what it's supposed to do, there's this beautiful symphony that happens in the body. It's one unit that works totally together, a holistic experience, mind, body, spirit, definitely. So as you do this, something changes in the body, it changes the frequency, there's an interference field. The microscope we use does not send the light straight through the blood slide. It bounces the light. So we have the elements necessary to visibly see holograms. 
And think about bats and dolphins. Things are bouncing and they are able to see without their eyes, specifically something. For us, we look at a drop of capillary blood. So capillaries are so small that only one red cell can fit through at a time. The images we see are much bigger than your red cells. So the reality is they could physically not be in your bloodstream or you would have a stroke. So this is energy physically manifesting as the blood leaves the body. And these pictures match anatomy books, some of them. They don't always do that, definitely. Um, Dab saw patterns. In our database, which we're helping, having helped developing a front end so we can get access to it again, we have tens of thousands of images. And we have seen patterns over and over. The belly button, Josh has seen hundreds, thousands of belly buttons in the blood. So the things we say as we look at the blood, sometimes we see this amorphous blob and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. We have seen this over and over. We are not telling you what we think. We are telling you what we know from experience. When we lectured in Spain, it was neat. We got to be part of a round table on stage with doctors and lawyers and scientists and teachers. And we have the translator in our ear and someone said, we need to be scientists like the Biggelsons. And I said, did, did he just call us scientists? They said, these people did something and they replicated it and they watched patterns and it is replicable. And they've done it over and over and over. This is simple science. Don't give me the scientific method. It needs to happen in, in a laboratory. It needs to happen in a university. We can do this and we continue to do this. So we understand it's a little bit of a reach for people and we don't expect you to believe us just because we tell you these things. We want you to listen and pay attention and find out for yourself. Okay, thinking about your life and your emotions and what's going on, um, thinking about physical issues and the traumatic episode a year before. So to start to make the connections, we really do connect dots for people. And the reality is, is it's not us. It's not Josh. It's not my dad. It's not me. It's your blood. Your body is trying to tell you what it needs. And so many people these days are more conscious than they've been ever. And a lot of times we pull an image up on the screen and the person knows what it is before we tell them. You know yourself better than anyone. At the same time, we lie to ourselves all the time. And we say, I'm fine. It's fine. Nothing's a problem. You see that image and you go, okay, I get it. I know what's going on. So the images, some of them are hard to, hard to question most definitely. And yeah, if you can give me um, a chance to do a screen share, um, I've got a few images that I would be happy to show you guys. Um, uh, I made you the host, Adam, so you can do that. Okay. Yeah, and most most your MDs you go to also tell you you're fine because of their basic checkup, you know, because they're not connected to these ideas. Right. And you know, what I yes. what I like about the MDs is if there's something wrong, if there's something bad, they find it. They really can't yeah. do anything about it, but they'll find it. So anytime they say we can't figure out what's wrong with you, it's great because we know it's a structural issue because they're not taught structure. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. right. So I I like their tests. I just don't believe their interpretation of most of those tests. Right, right, exactly. Uh, you talked about Hammer uh, just a few minutes ago, Dr. Bear. Um, so Hammer looked at CT scans and saw these concentric rings um, on his clients or patients after traumatic emotional episodes. Okay. Um, when we look at the blood, we see these things. We call these worry cells. And these are things dad noticed. So, uh, you know, you could be worried about, we were just looking at your blood, you're not sure what we're going to see. These are recent emotions. We see this quite a bit. 
Um, but Can I just ask one real quick question on your microscope? No, is this dark field microscopy or how, what kind of microscope are you using to we see call this? It, we call it a diagonal light microscope with a non-light source. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, term dark, the term dark field is actually owned by the CDC. If you say the word dark field, they can come in and take your microscope away. <laughs> you know, does that go all the way back to, to, Royal, uh, to Royal Rife and, them, and that? Or? Have, they did a study in 2002 and they came out with the CLIA law. Mm. And basically, um, which is the law is really stupid, you know, talks about a dark field only if you're doing it in a dark room, which is just stupid. So, but mm. basically it was just a way to control some of the so-called sure. quack, quacks out there. Yeah. And so, the, so this okay. microscope, sorry, we're kind of micros, I'm a kind That's of okay. really love microscopes and I know bear probably have better insight in this. So how, it, how, what's your magnification that you guys can get on this? We just do 10, 20 and 40. We okay. have a hundred, but we don't use it very often. You know, too many people, you know, dad always says, if you go too deep, you're missing the forest for the trees. Right. And it's alarming when you watch some of the live cell people that sit there and they never look at the, in the microscope, they look at the TV screen. So they look at the hundred dollar monitor as opposed to the thousands of dollar microscope and they scan on high power the whole time, you know, and they, they, they're missing the whole forest for the trees. It's, yeah. you got to, you, you scroll, you scroll on low power. And when you find something interesting, then you can go in deeper with it. But yes, it is technically, it's a dark field microscope. Yes, and it's, um, it's something as we're talking about this, and you guys are microscope guys, um, dad's first microscope was $20,000. Um, 30. Eventually, eventually we're getting them for eight to 10. Um, we found a company in Italy, we'd be getting them for 4,000 because we want them to be affordable and we want to get them to people. There are people around the world that want to get blood to us and we can't get it through the mail, which we do actually in the States. Um, however, if we can put a microscope in each country, then we get technicians to get us the slides, get us the images. Yeah. So we're looking for people to do that. And at the same time, we need help with a microscope. Um, the company we have, the microscopes are okay. Their customer services sucks. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to mention names on that one. Um, but we have need for microscopes. And the thing is, there's dark field microscopes that are affordable, but they don't see the plasma the way we need to see the plasma. Mm -hmm. The other thing is we're totally excited because we put things out to the universe and the universe listens. So I keep putting this out. We'll put it out here now. At some point, we want something developed, and I've seen things like this, where we can put the slide in and the scope scans the whole slide so we get one high-definite image of the big picture. It's ironic that we use a microscope to get people out of the rabbit hole, right? And people look at the, the images, and they're like, what's that? It's like, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, we can see those things, and the, your candidas, we're never going to mention it when we look at your blood, because then all the person hears is, candida, ah! You know, it's part of what's supposed to be there if you're out of balance. If there's a block that's there, we remove the block, the candida goes away. We don't treat your candidas, okay? So those things, um, yeah, you mentioned microscopes. And if there's anyone out there listening, um, we either need a microscope replicated because we have an older one that they don't make anymore, or we need someone to help us develop something cool and new. Um, feel free to contact us. <laughs> now, well, you uh, may just get <laughs> contacted. We have people in our community that are unbelievably uh, uh, agile in terms of their uh, abilities. So Do you, want, you want to talk um, about emotions? And, and the one thing too about that, just so people know, like a lot of the mainstream mic, you know, that you see like with the virus and stuff, those are all electron scanning microscopes. We've talked about this a lot. They, they use dyes. They, they're looking at dead, dead blood where mm -hmm. with dark field, the whole point is you're looking at a live real in the moment. Uh, uh, actual blood, right? Like it's, yeah. it's a lot. Yes. Which yeah, sounds that was, that was the first microscope dad ever looked into was Nason's microscope. Oh, wow. The somatoscope. 
and he saw things in there and he's like, what the hell are those? They didn't teach me that in medical school. You know, yeah. he remembers getting chills, you know, yeah. so he knew there had to be something in there. Yeah, he, had, he, he was really known, sorry, Adam, um, for his work when he was in Mexico with cancer. So yes. people would fly all over the world and try to take credit for his work, of course. And he had the head of hematology from Tufts University come down, you know, elite back east university. Head of hematology comes down because he wants to see how dad is getting his results of cancer. He refuses to look in the microscope because the blood isn't stained. Yeah, it's a lie. So they don't do that. Dad well, says, that's yeah. how I figure out how they got the cancer. He's like, I don't yeah. care about the diagnosis. I want to know how they got it. Yeah. Right? The guy refused to look. And this is the guy, the head of the hematology department. Yeah, he's because teaching. he knew that would be paradigm shattering for him. Yeah. Yep. Listen to that, people. You want to go to medical school? I think that's a waste of your money. Nothing personal. That, that's so <laughs> incredible. And on our show, you know, a few times I always bring up the example of somebody who's never seen a dog or had a dog before and they want to know more about a dog. So rather than going out to the pound and getting a dog, you go out on the street where a dog got run over three months ago and <laughs> peel it off the pavement and then bring it home. And that's what we're doing in medicine when we're looking at stained blood slides. Yeah, yep. I, I thought they were scientists. It. Sorry. Yeah. Dad talked that the moron in the corner had dropped a quarter and he's looking under the light because that's where that's where he can see. No, well, I was just going to say, like, why can't we have the somatoscope today? Why do we not have that technology? Yeah, someone we heard was building one. We won't say where. But isn't yeah. that interesting? Is this because of literally the, the technology being uh, confiscated and, and powers that be stopping it? Or is it a technological issue? Is it a money issue? Well, what's, the pro what's the core well, problem? Well, with us, it's certainly been money issue because, I mean, his, his uh, microscope may sound was a quarter million dollars, I think. So it's not something most of us have in our, in our pockets. Um, but, yeah, certainly the U.S. is so heavily regulated. Um, yeah, you can't you say the word dark field. You know, they're taking microscopes away left and right. And. Honestly, I probably agree with them taking away most of the microscopes from the people who are, who are doing it at this point in time because there's a lot of misinformation. And dad was always taught when he was teaching me, he says, you got to be honest about what you know and honest about what you don't know. Right. Right. If you could help somebody, you could just as easily kill somebody. You need to know what the hell you're doing. Right. And so, yeah, in the U.S., everything is so heavily regulated that as soon as you get results, you know, they're coming after you. And it's funny, uh, <laughs> Dr. Vari, um, I've always heard your name. So when I typed in your name this time, the first thing that came up was quack. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, he's one of us. <laughs> you know, we means I'm doing something right. Absolutely. Yeah. They don't come after you unless you're getting results. And you know, dad, dad, got to, he gets a lot of good advertising from actual quack watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a That's, link right on quack watch, right to our website. And we get a lot of people from quack watch. So That's to bring it back, back to the holograms, um, <laughs> his, the second person who saw it in the microscope, um, it was this little four foot 10 German lady who comes into the office and she's got like this long cape on. She's got high heels on. She's got a diamond encrusted cigarette holder, long red hair. And she walks in the office and she goes, I am here. Right. <laughs> we have no idea who she is. No idea who this is. And dad had learned some basic microscope from a, a German teacher before that. But this one, dad has no idea what he's doing with the microscope. He loves it, right? So he's sitting there and he's looking in the microscope. The client's next to him and the, the free, Silke Friedrich is on the other side, right? So he, a dad would start guessing. So any kidney problems? And Silke would go, no, no, no. Anything with the liver? No, 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 no. Until he finally guessed right, and she'd go, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's it. So she's over here coaching my dad. 
right? And finally, she says to one of the clients, when did you break your arm? And the client says, I didn't tell you I broke my arm. How did you know that? Right? So dad kind of freaks out a little bit. He makes the client leave the room. And he's like, how did, how, did, how did you know that? It wasn't even on his history form. And she says, look in the microscope. And he looks in the microscope and there's what looks like a perfect broken arm right there. Wow. Right? And dad doesn't believe it. No. And she does this every day over the period of about a year. Yeah. She's looking at this over and over and over again. And what she's actually seen is the dominant focus, we call it. Um, it is the root cause. And I hate this term now because everybody's talking about treating the, the root cause. And the root cause is, is not your symptoms. <laughs> right? yeah. And supplements so, don't treat the root cause. You know, so over and over and over again, you know, and it's like, well, a broken arm, whatever was going on, it was obviously a trauma. You treated the broken arm and everything turned around. So over the period of a year, she does this over and over and over again. And she's just reading patterns, yeah. you know, and he has one person come in, can't move their neck really any farther than that. And the blood tracks it down to a bunny neck to me. Right. And he treats the tiniest little scar you ever see on the guy's toe and the person can move their neck. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so who's going to figure that out? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So the blood starts to show him this over and over and over again. And then his life really changed from there. And he was always very left brain. My dad was not empathetic at all. Right? No. He, could, he could not feel the pain on the person when they came in. Yeah. If he didn't get better, he took it personally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he, he was told that if the, if the patient isn't getting better, it's your fault. Right. You no. Know? Yeah. So it was a, a bit of an eye opener for her, but it was all patterns she was seeing. And they just kept showing up over yeah. and over. And his hero was Sherlock Holmes. So dad considered himself a medical detective, mm -hmm. you know, and it really is detective work. You got to look at the blood. You got to look at the person. You got to look at the blood. You got to look at the person. You got to connect dots here. So he's looking at blood and he's seeing things that you wouldn't expect. The person comes in with the heart problem. They've been to all the heart specialists around the world. No one can help them. Dad looks at the blood. There's no heart in the blood. The body's out of alignment. There's structure in the blood. It's putting pressure on the heart. So he gets the body worker to come in. They adjust the body. There's no more pressure on the heart. The heart problem yeah. goes away. The heart was the result. Yep. Well, so that's yes. one thing we learned from Edgar Casey. every single person's different. There's no, and, and modern medicine yes. likes to put everything in a box, right? Based on symptoms. You got where it. They, they make they re, that reductionalism. They make us into machines where it's yes. so much more nuanced and holistic. And uh, every single human is different. Yeah. And so that, that investigative Mindset is awesome. Yeah. And there's no double blind for you except for you. You know, and everyone is different. Dad would say 10 people get the same thing for 10 different reasons. You know, he had 96 cases of Lyme disease at the end of his book, Doctors Are More Harmful Than Germs, with 96 different causes. And none of them, almost none of them had ever seen a tick. The tick wasn't the cause, not at all. Or a spirochete. Yeah. Um, so, and dad was actually the only, the third doctor in the United States history to look at the live blood. Um, I always thought doctors were scientists and they would be open-minded. You know, I, I thought if you told me 100% of the people with cancer, with breast cancer, get their pinky cut off, and I would say, okay, so you got breast cancer and they get the pinky, let's say prostate cancer. So I get prostate cancer and 100% of the people get their pinky cut off and their prostate cancer goes away, I'd say cut my pinky off. It's that easy. You know, so we've gotten results with things no one has ever gotten results with. Um, with the somatoscope, one thing I think is interesting too is, you know, if, if I built one, I wouldn't tell anybody. Um, so maybe there's a few out there um, that people just don't want you to know. Um, we did hear of someone that was building one um, at some point. So hopefully they'll contact us and connect with us and say that it is built because we'd like to look at it. Um, actually, we do know someone that has one that is disassembled. 
um, a very well-known person in a, a country we were in recently. So with um, the somatoscope, because you mentioned it's good to pull out, but yeah. there's also benefit of going, because that was like what Royal Rife's microscope could do. It could get really, really, really small in live blood and yeah. see these somatids or protids, whatever we call them, these little sparks of light that like Bear mentions. Mm -hmm. So in your idea, what's, is, what's, the, is, what's the benefit of being able to, to do that? I think that's more if you have time for research. And dad always said we were the rat in the wheel. He was the rat in the wheel. Right. You know, and that's just, and then I became the rat in the wheel with him, you know, so you don't have time to do the research. You're coming in. We didn't need it for health purposes, but part of me that really wants to research more wants to see more of what's going on in there. Now we see these little bright dots of the blood that I'm sure you've seen lots of times. And so a lot of people label them yeast or candida and it's a bunch of horse crap. And under Naysan's microscope, um, they were perfect six-sided stars, right? And so we're not really religious, but we're, you know, we're Jewish, and Star of David, the six-sided star, represents a piece of the soul, oh. right? And Dad's goal in life was to scientifically prove the soul. Yeah. Yes. In Judaism, they believe the soul is in the blood. Yeah. So yeah. Dad sees, he sees these six-sided stars in the blood, and, he, and he's trying to talk to Nasans about it, and Nasans won't tell him anything. He just sits there and smiles at him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yes, there's a lot more going on in there than, than we'll ever know. And there's a lot in the blood I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Just a just a quick comment in the field of biogeometry, mm -hmm. a six-sided star uh also uh evokes um this to say waveforms that bring harmony and peace to the mm -hmm. individual. And mm -hmm. we also understand those geometric forms as pathways of energy. And if you take those geometries, such as a six-pointed star, and you have a particular condition and you have the right biosignature, we call it, and if you learn how to just trace that in your mind over any particular uh, area of your life or your body, there's problems, uh, they do remarkable things. So I just love the way these pieces are coming together. Cool. Um, I know we're trying to get over to the holographic blood, <laughs> yeah. but I have one more thing I want to ask you guys is, uh, you know, Royal Rife always comes up in these discussions in his universal uh, microscope, what he called. Um, and, you know, I've always, uh, I've followed him for many years in his work and know a lot about it. Unfortunately, I think his work has been used to foster more of a germ theory causation yeah. of illness especially cancer linked to viruses i have completely different thoughts about it and where his work might fit in uh you know in the way we're talking what are your thoughts on his work that's um and i'll hold that thought real quick josh that's interesting because we've talked with people about bioresonance and things like that and the right frequencies and there's a point where it's um a symptom and a frequency so, you know, they're getting rid of symptoms with frequencies. It's, it's the allopathic model, again, right there. Mm -hmm. you know, um, that's what we've seen up to this point. So, Josh, if you want to talk about that, too. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like most things, it, it's morphed. So we take some of the real basics of who he was as a genius, and things have kind of changed a little bit since then, you know. The virus is a big deal these days, you know, and we were taught to believe through Steiner that a virus is just the body eliminating toxicity from its cells. It's just a natural process. It's not, it's not living. Bacterias are living, fungal, fungus are living, but the virus is not living, which makes it not transmittable. So we were always taught that way, you know, as far as some of the experiments Trife was doing with exploding cells, what the hell would you want to explode a cell for? Um, I, I, I don't believe in cancer cells. 
Right. I believe in healthy cells that are starting to mold and are having an issue, but that's not a cancer cell. Right. You know, I don't believe in the concept of having cancer cells in, in, in your body. So it's, it's yeah, we, we tend to look at it a little, a little differently. You and know, so like, viruses are not part of, I mean, well, this is the thing. It becomes a language thing too, right? Yes. I mean, yes. I feel like they put a lot of different things in the virus box from yes. cellular debris, as Dr. Lando explains to, uh, you know, um, all sorts of different things in the cell that come out from exosomes, endosomes, all this stuff. They just throw it all into the virus box. Right. But, um, uh, so, but they're not par par part of the polymorphic cycle like that Nissan talks about there is right. different entity because they're non-living um that being said what is your take on Nissan 714x idea because that you seems know, like allopathic a bit to me too yeah you know dad I always I asked him about it several times and dad really didn't he didn't talk bad about it but he didn't really talk good about it either you know it was still just a product and and with us we we never sold products you know people didn't leave with supplements and things like that you know, even isopathic remedies, maybe they're taking one capsule a day or capsule a week and, and that sort of thing. So, we, you know, we weren't into selling products in, in general, right. you know. And so when people come out with a product that's a be-all, end-all, then immediately I discount it because if it works for you, it doesn't mean it's going to work for me. Right. You know, so it kind of wasn't just part of our, our equation and part of our growing up. So I asked him a little bit about it, but in the end, he didn't really care about it, you know. Yeah. And viruses are funny because when pandemics started to happen or whatever you want to call it, um, the stupidity of the world, um, people started to reach out and say, you know, what's your opinion? And I realized I never, ever heard dad talk about a virus. It wasn't in our world. The only thing I ever heard him talk about was HIV. And what he talked about was two things. One, he said that he lectured with a guy who talked about terrain theory in the 90s when HIV was a big deal and people didn't get it. So what he would do is he would ask for a volunteer that was HIV positive. He would stick that person with a needle and then stick himself. He would do this repeatedly. And the person, this guy never got the virus. And why? Because his terrain was too strong. There's no food in there for this thing to live. Um, even when we were in Spain, we've got this cool picture of these six different farms. One is green and the rest are brown. The brown ones till the earth. The green one's doing the regenerative thing. The green one's actually downhill from some of these other farms that are poisoning the land. So we asked the farmer, we said, why is your place so healthy and green and not affected by the poison it's surrounded by? And he said, because my soil is too strong. <laughs> it's the same in the body. Um, pandemic first happens and I said, you know, uh, a science experiment. I, I passed this by my girlfriend, it was fine. I said, if you know uh, an attractive female who is um, positively tested, then I will kiss and make out with her for an hour and I will never get the disease because it cannot live in me. And someone yelled at me and said, well, we'll just send you to Wuhan. I said, I'm not going there. That's a toxic environment. Anyone who goes there is going to get sick. So this is, this is a big deal. You know, are you, are you healthy? Are you happy? Are you keeping your terrain strong? Simply enough. Back, sorry, to, to the same answers we keep giving people over and over again. They can ask us 15 different questions. The answer is still the same. You know, take care of your soil. And I remember I used to go fishing with my father when I was younger and maybe he wasn't living so good. I remember standing right next to him and I'm getting mauled by mosquitoes. Mauled. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not getting touched. Yeah. So I asked, what, what the hell, Dad? What's going on here? <laughs> and he says, the mosquito lands on the swamp. Oh, yeah. that's brilliant. Right? Yeah. So, so even the mosquito knows to go after the toxicity. And then, of course, I started to notice I was getting bit along acupuncture lines. Yeah. 
you know, so start to know, yeah. start to notice that, you know, the mosquito was actually trying to help stimulate the meridians. So there was a <laughs> wow. symbiosis that was going on there. But yeah, the parasite, you know, attaches and we adapt to it. That, that's basic, you know, Bechamp right there, Lamarck, a theory of evolution. Yeah. So yeah, you take care of your soil. Um, people think germs are bad for us. Obviously, that's wrong. People think parasites are bad for us. When the parasite's there to clean up the terrain, just yeah. like your soil. You know, yeah. you want healthy soil, you put worms in it and it cleans and stimulates the soil. Yeah. Same thing in our body. You know, so, it's, so is transference a thing though? Viral transference coming out of a mouth on a droplet into your mouth is that that is that transfer actually happening or I, it's a conversation that we generally don't get into and, yeah. and we, we don't really care about it yeah because you know? <laughs> that <laughs> seems to be the conversation that always comes up with us it's like yeah it's the big thing right now well look at the coffin video where he talks about the spanish flu you well know, and, yeah, and bechamp talks about how he doesn't believe anything is transmittable yeah you know so and i'm i'm more along that lines if, if something was infectious wouldn't the whole world be sick and dead right now Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because people are like, uh, fear. It's like, I'm not afraid. I'm not going to get, I don't, I don't get sick. The only time I get sick is when I want to. As exactly. an elementary school teacher, I don't have time to be sick. And you know what? Two generations ago, your great grandfather did not have time to be sick. He had to work. He had to do things and he didn't get sick. Nowadays, we're all so sensitive. Oh, I'm sorry if I offended you. You know what? Suck it up, monkey. Life yep. goes on. You know, if you're so sensitive, it's going to affect your health. Relax, calm exactly. down. What the hell is important to you? You know, are you happy? Does the Take person a chill next pill. To you, <laughs> yeah. Does the person next to you really control your emotions? No. It's how you react to these things. And we've always known, and, you know, obviously Emoto and people like Gerald Pollack, you know, really pinpointed how words are power, right? And, and how they affect us. And we all know about the rice experiment Emoto did. But a lot of people didn't know there was three jars in that experiment. There was one with love, there was one with hate, and, but it was the one that was ignored that was the worst and molded the quickest. Yeah. And people these days, they just want to be acknowledged. You know, they just want to be heard. And getting negative energy from their parents was actually better than being ignored. Yeah. And we live in a society where nobody even looks at each other anymore. You walk by a person and they don't look you in the eyes. Adam and I are funny because we do the angry wave at everybody. We wave at everybody. If they don't wave back, we wave at them. <laughs> 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 we smile at people and, and yeah. it's a big deal. And, and, I'll, and I'll kind of finish with this because the words are power. And I've been getting really frustrated over the last few years with the alternative community thinking things are antibacterial and antifungal and anti-inflammatory. This is not the way nature works. Nothing right. in nature is anti. It's right. all symbiotic. If yes. you have poison oak, then the, red, the antidote is, is growing right next to it. Yep. Right? So they're labeling... So they're labeling these oils and these herbs as antibacterial. So if you believe that, I believe we're actually weakening the energy of that herb before we even take it into our body. Right. And I would extend that to what we call the immune system. Uh, I don't believe in an immune system either. Uh, I believe that we are a self-correcting, self-maintaining yes. ecosystem. Yep. And there's not a system designed by nature to fight the bad guys. It right. goes back to that old warfare model of biology. No so defense systems. I call it the regulatory system. Right. Yeah, not an immune oh, okay. system. Yep. Yeah, dad calls it he's got a list of Orwellian misspeak words <laughs> yes. yeah. and one of those is the immune defense system. You know, uh, another one is autoimmune. That just means the doctor doesn't know what's wrong with you. So it must be your fault. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. side, side effects. effects, side effects is Orwellian. You know, you put something in your body, there's a direct effect that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty funny. So yeah, 
Yeah, we agree with you 1,000% right there. Yeah, and the simplicity of the terrain theory experience, you know, your basic intro to botany class and the student knows if the plant is diseased, it's because of the environment of the terrain that it's in. Plants don't just get sick and then they make the ground sick. So we are a, we are a product of our environment as much as our environment's a product of us. So right now with all this fear and negativity, yeah, turn off the TV and go get some joy. You've earned it, you deserve it, and it's gonna to contribute to your health right now. So this is a very appropriate time for us to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a well-known biogeometry experiment where they take uh, plants and one particular plant in a test group is actually fed salt water, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and they all die. But this one they expose to what we call, uh, yeah, I won't even name, uh, what we call BG3, you know, where we concentrate that golden mean energy, which you could also uh, consider equated with the, the love principle that kind of is the glue that holds the universe together. But that's a real uh, a frequency within nature. So that one plant that's, uh, you know, with the salt water like the rest and everybody else is dead, we just, uh, you know, radiate it with that pure love uh, element. And it just thrives on salt water. So that is, um, you know, to me, yeah, it's all environment. But then the environment, I think the, the main dictate to the environment is goes back to emotions again and not being in hate, anger, fear, and so forth. Uh, so um, what do you think? Are we going to get to holographic yeah, let's, blood here? Let's do holographic <laughs> I'm running out of time. Yes, no, no, I'm because we really, we've stopped teaching the work because people thought they can incorporate holograms into their knowledge of live cell analysis and that's not the way it works you can't you know miss the foundation of the work and just add some pretty pictures into it so we really stepped back and at this point we touched we tied a bunch of workshops and we can't endorse anybody who actually taught because they don't understand the very basic of the theories right. so you know i have no problems showing you the holograms that's for sure um, but it's been it's been tough the last year or two because I've really stopped teaching people because I, I didn't trust what they were doing with the message. And now that our father is no longer with us, it's more important for us to protect the integrity of the work. Yeah, definitely. Makes sense. Definitely, definitely. So uh, we talked about Hammer and what he saw in the CT scans. And this is what we see as our worry cells. Um, these, these are, are yeah, research. Sorry. Yeah, these are your basic, really basic worry cells there. You know, so... Um, you got your little one in the bottom left there. That's actually a scar disturbance next to it. So you've got the body is, is, is worried about a scar. Um, the one in the lower right is a bigger one. And these are still, these are, these are worry cells that you're emotional right now. We see sometimes that they're really old emotions, but what he's focusing on there is probably a tooth. So the body is really, really worried about an irritated tooth. And these are just some of your, your basic, basic emotions there. We've got a few more. This one, these are your emotions bubbling up to the surface. So this is the person that their arms are crossed, their legs are crossed. You could say something, they could cry, they could hit you. Okay, so this yeah, you is- don't need, You don't need the blood to know that the person's emotional. <laughs> right, yeah. this is a tread lightly experience. Yeah. Um, emotions are part of us and we're not always ready to deal with them. So sometimes we take them and we put them away. And these are the older emotions. These are closed off. They become crystallized basically. Um, and they'll show up in the blood when the body is ready to deal with them. And Sometimes. a lot of times it's, it's before, I'm sorry, Adam, uh, a lot of times it's, it's before the person's ready to really acknowledge it. So these ones, you know, they're, it's old closed emotion. You ask the person about it and they say, no, nothing really. But then they come back a month later and say, you know, this happened with my father when I was younger. So the body's ready to deal with it. Right. And then the person eventually follows, falls in line if they're ready to get well. 
Yeah. Sometimes they, the top left is just an air pocket there, but sometimes they show up in the shape of an organ. Yeah, um, so that's probably more on the pancreas level there. So this is telling us something about what's going on in the body most definitely. Um, more closed emotions here. Then we get into the knotted emotions. You've heard that saying, uh, your stomach is in knots, you know, because you're having this emotional issue. Anxiety. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is not intestines. This is an emotional shot in the blood. You're yeah, these about are something. people who are really worried. Yeah, they're the ones who come in with their legs crossed and their arms crossed and the head over their ears, you know, and they're, they're totally shut down, but they're internalizing the emotions. I mean, in the end, what's going on there is it's a lot of irritated mucous membranes. Um, but basically, they're shoveling the emotions in as opposed to being extroverted with the emotions. Right. Then we get to the colors that show up in the picture. Um, the colors represent different things. So the blue is shock to the central nervous system, Josh, yes? Yep. Yeah. So this one showed up after this person's horse had died. Um, it was a big shock for them. Um, the different colors represent different things. So the blue is the shock to the central nervous system. The green, Josh, I think you said might have been poison of sorts. It could be a poison or a leakage, but it's also a really, really old emotion. So it could have been a really trauma to the, trauma, trauma to the nervous system, but it's really, really old just by the texture of it. Mm -hmm. And you can see even the colors, they're more faded. That's an older experience. Um, sometimes they're brilliant, the colors. And the idea too is boring blood is what we really want to see. You know, if we see nothing in your blood, then things are awesome. Um, the pretty pictures are not really what you want to see. The red is an irritation. The black is what we would call necrotic, but basically there's no energy moving through it. Um, so that top left one there, you've got, you've got the full picture here. That's actually more or less in the shape of the liver. This person died of, and this is end stage liver cancer. This person died from liver cancer. You can and see you the can emotion see in it. You can see the liver. You can see the liver dying there, which is the necrotic spots there. So yeah. Yeah. That's the whole picture. And a lot of these times I've noticed that a lot of the people are labeling these as heavy metal toxicity, which is another word that never came into our vocabulary at all. Right. Right. So you know, if the body's river is moving, it's going to wash out. If you want to call it um, candida, not, not, if you want to call it debris, if you want to call it heavy metal toxicity, if the body's flowing, it's going to clean out what needs to be cleaned. Right. You know, we talk about the stick falls in the river and all the debris falls behind the stick. So right. people are spending all this time cleaning up the debris right there, or you could just remove the stick and let the river wash it away. Right. The same thing with heavy metal toxicity force. First of all, I look in their mouth, see if they got a mouthful of amalgam in there. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the amount of people I worked with who are uh, doing chelation and all this heavy metal, you know, tox you know, toxic withdrawal stuff, and they don't take the metal out of their mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, so it was just another one of those ones. They blame a lot of things on heavy metal toxicity. We're absorbing crap all day long, and if the body's working properly, it's going to process it. Right. Now, and I'll show you a few others here too. Um, da, 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 da. Those are the emotions. The emotions are kind of interesting to interpret, um, but the people that come in, they're definitely, they get it. You know, when we say these things, it resonates. Um, so let's go back to this one here. So this person, uh, not that you can tell, but the person broke their hand. So in the blood, we saw this. You're seeing fingers there, you're seeing all this. Um, this one was interesting. This here's your inflamed appendix, and this person's appendix burst the next day. Wow. Uh huh. Um, some of these things match the books. This one we could actually tell the person still had to go to the bathroom. This one was beyond amazing. Like, how does this? Uh, you know, it's like if I wasn't there when this image came about, how do you? I mean, people, we can't manipulate these things. This is not Photoshop in the blood here. This came out of someone's finger 
And in 20 seconds, it was on our microscope slide. Wow. And this person, and what was this person's issue? This person came to us with so much fear and anxiety. And that's the, that's the organ right there. Kidneys, deal with that. So we said, we looked at it, we said, wow, kidney. And he was born with one of his kidneys atrophied. So this person was compromised. And what this person needed was a little bit of an education, realizing that they are not crazy. They have something going on that is making it more difficult for them to process this whole emotional experience. So what we did with this person is gave them tools to help them deal with their emotions. And we'll see, when organs have been removed, you'll still see them show up on the blood because energetically they're still there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, the phantom limb shows up. The lung, you can see lungs are big in the body and this picture in relation to the red cells, it's a big image. So we see a lot of this also. You have to look at the size in relation to the cells. Um, this one was cool. This was a person who had worked for us. Um, she was a client initially and then worked for us and she was ice skating and fell and hit her head on the ice. So she had gone to the hospital. After the hospital, she came to see us. We looked at the blood and we said, uh, we think you're hemorrhaging. This is the spine here. This is her head. We sent her back to the hospital. They did more tests. Yes, she was hemorrhaging. So the hospital wow. missed it with all their technology. The blood showed it right there. That, that's the picture. Um, this is my knee. This is an air pocket on the side, but someone fell on my knee at a concert. Uh, Josh and I did a lecture or a workshop with the sound healing place. And they did a whole sound bath, gongs and bowls and everything. And afterwards, after all that vibration resonating off my knee, there's my knee in the blood. It matches the books. I mean, you can question these things if you want. The reality That's is crazy. we treat what we see in the blood and things change. You know, here you've got left side, the blood, these are air pockets, but you can see vertebrae and cartilage that look pretty similar to the x-ray right here. I mean, these things show up in the blood, it, it, it amazes us. We see awesome things in the blood that really baffle us. Dad saw this and he was like, what the hell is this? This is not natural, that's not organic. It looks like a dental implant. And the person said, oh yeah, I have a tooth. That's, I have an implant that's really bothering me. Um, the person had the implant removed. That's the implant. And that's the image. And I don't wow. Photoshop these things. I mean, we have integrity. We're not here to lie to anyone. Dad was rich. He wasn't happy. We're not here to get rich. We're here to share something that supports a paradigm shift. The body said, get this thing out of me. We got it out of the body. And then the cool thing is the image starts to dissipate immediately. So, so do you think that the body, the higher self, whatever the, co the consciousness that's creating these images knows that you're looking at the blood. I mean, this goes to like what they're seeing in quantum research you know, right now, yeah. which is still after effects, but it yeah. knows that because you're observing it, it's going to give you the image. That's a good question. When we worked with someone in Spain, what he told us is when he takes someone's blood, he says um, to the body, please show me what it is that I need to see. Mm -hmm. So he actually says that to the body. Um, yeah, I think, I think definitely. Definitely. And then that leads to the question, I, too, if, if we understand this, can we go into meditative states and see it ourselves, go into our blood? I mean, this is getting trippy, right? But go into our blood, see it ourselves without the need of a microscope, yeah. and then uh, do our own research on ourselves that way. Yeah, I think definitely. And it's really, as we work with people that are more conscious, they know what we're seeing before we tell them. Yeah, and I've met some obviously Just wonderful to... osteopaths. They don't need the microscope. They put their hands on and they tap right in. Right. Yeah. Right. Just, just a real quick comment while we're looking at these slides. You know, if anybody's familiar with cymatics, um, mm -hmm. which is uh, 
you know, putting substances in proximity to certain frequencies or tonal qualities, then it will create geometric forms. Now, let's just pretend that in our emotions, in our thoughts, we have certain, you know, things that we're harboring, uh, you know, that are less than healthy. That is creating a resonance. Now, that resonance will ping through our entire reality and create very specific geometries. Yes. So, you know, this stuff isn't that mysterious when you get into that level of understanding a little bit. And if we say, well, how can an emotion ping down on the physical level? Well, think of it as a musical scale. You know, if you play a chord, you can play it in different octaves. It carries the same resonance only in a different pitch. Yeah. And I believe, and, and other things that I actively work with within radiesthesia, biogeometry and everything, we explain these principles very quickly. So when I look at these pictures, and I mean, it's remarkable when you just see a vertebrae there on the blood slide as plain as day, but yeah. it doesn't stretch my imagination either. And I think if people had enough information, yeah. uh, not only would this be taught in medical schools, but then people would be able to heal themselves and not even need the medics in the first place. That's the idea. Educate and empower you so you can learn to take charge of your own health care. A dad, lot of what it does is, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say one of Dad's things is, you know, he would go towards doctors with this. They're not interested in this initially. You know, a lot of them went well, into they, medicine. I'm sure they see it as woo-woo. Yeah, totally. You know, but well, the reality and working, is... Yeah, working with the alternative physicians kind of gave me TMJ. <laughs> um, yeah, I just sit there and clench, you know, so we definitely stray more towards the Eastern philosophy and the osteopaths. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, it's, you're right. I don't think it's much of a stretch at all. It makes perfect sense, you know, for people seeing it. Well, seeing is believing, you know, and a picture is worth a thousand words. So here's the pictures. And when we do this with your blood, you get it. It really makes sense. You know, dad and Josh will ask you questions that no one has ever asked you. And they'll see things that no one has ever known before because there are no secrets in the blood. It's all right yeah. there. It's just and a, a lot question of, of knowing how to interpret it. A lot of the beauty of it, too, is you're taking the fear of the unknown. People came to dad basically because they went everywhere else and they couldn't fix them, right? So nobody can figure out what it is. So once you show the person what's going on in their blood, it takes the fear out of their body. Yeah. You know, and obviously if we're in fear, we're in sympathetic mode and we're, we're not going to heal in fight or flight at that point in time. So you see the respiration change. You know, a lot of times, like Adam, if you put the hologram up there and they, I always would sit there for a second and just let them look at it. Yeah. And a lot of the time they knew exactly what it was, you know, yeah. so taking the fear of the unknown was such a huge deal. And it was really a beautiful part of, of the work. Yeah. And our business model is horrible. We get you better. You don't have to come back to see us. <laughs> you know, don't take yeah. that personally. Is it China or Japan or one of these countries where the longer it takes the doctor to get you better, the less the doctor gets paid. Yeah. Right. There's a little incentive there. So the reality is people listening, if you start to pay attention to your body, and from everybody, I think one drop of blood is worth it to see what's going on and validate maybe what you thought. And preventative is the best thing. So don't wait till it's too late and you've been around the world and have no money to come see us and get your blood looked at. Do it now. Um, as you do this, though, and educate yourselves, you don't need to go to the doctor so much. So this is one great way for us to change this paradigm. If you're afraid, well, fear is how you get to be controlled. And doctors would tell you it's all about fear. You should be afraid. You need to be afraid of germs right now. You can be afraid of everybody. It's not the way things work. And when you see this and realize it, life changes and you don't need your doctor anymore. I think that's one exactly. reason they don't like us. And that's one reason all this is happening now. 
you guys know with the agriculture, we don't need to buy our food. We can provide for ourselves. So well, and hell? it's also the systems are destroying themselves, monoculture, allopathy, all of these, uh, these systems, we're seeing right now them yeah. literally self-destructing. And, yes. and these crises are forcing people to look towards greater truth. Yes. So it's, they're going to take care of themselves just the way the monoculture farms turn into dust bowls. Right. Um, so, you know, it's all related. And what's crazy is, so we just did an event in Joshua Tree, an in-person event. Uh, mm -hmm. It was an amazing health and wellness summit. And guess what everything was surrounded about? But getting your feet in the, it was up in the desert. So uh, mm -hmm. getting your feet in the sand, charging yourself, you know, um, uh, with the negative ions of the air. And, and nice. we did a lot of breath work. We did a lot awesome. of community exchange in terms of hugging and, and, awesome. and exchanging our positive energy. And everyone was just vibrating on this really high level. Nice. And I mean, that's where, that's our message. We're converting this into an online summit right now. We're working on with Josh Del Sol from the 5G Summit where it's all about knowledge, right? And cool. there are business models, actually. I did a whole talk on this holistic economy idea that we're developing without decentralized, uh, a whole new way of the gifting model of, of, of an economy model that's based on community and cooperation and decentralization. And actually, you're, you could have a, this isn't a bad business model because it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's empowering and freeing and actually we can develop a way to crowdsource this and develop this in a way that could modulate it out to the world and actually be bigger and more powerful than the current um, pharmaceutical industry because of, the, of it that it's actually works yeah yeah so I would I would results. actually say that this is a better business model <laughs> <laughs> all right cool well realize this at this point it's just Josh and I well so we can we change that we have real need for team. You know, we would like to be a part of what you guys are doing and support what you're doing. Um, Josh is looking for a farm, so I think he might need well, to come. Well, we have partners working from telehealth, which I think this could, that in a really interesting way to uh, James Maskell, who did a talk, who's do, doing a whole community-based uh, functional medicine uh, uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, my, uh, I'm not explaining it well, but essentially, <laughs> taking that decentralized model of, of community focus on, on peer health, um, you know, assistance and, and enveloping all of these new modalities in a way that um, I think this could be really powerful. And, and in fact, our next event, I'm just thinking right now, how cool would it be for you guys to be there and actually taking people's blood and showing them oh, right yeah. there? I mean, that, that yeah. can be really empowering. So anyways, our there's, yeah, there's, our microscope has frequent flyer miles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's just, my mind's just exploding with possibility right now. Cool. Awesome. We're thrilled yeah, you know, and, for us. It's about a team. We really want to work with people yeah. and support. And, and Josh, I know you're up in Northern California here, so we're close by and we'd welcome both of you, you know, to come to the farm here and check out, see what we're doing. We're in the midst of building a, a little lab out here, you know, we make spiturics and things and, and uh, do a lot of soil and other kinds of testing. And uh, one of the things I want to do is build a new microscope. My microscope, I had to retire a few years ago. It's a little worse for the wear after you know a few decades of use. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm in the quandary now, and I have been for years actually, because I'm looking for that perfect microscope that nobody makes. Uh, I've got a little backstory on that. I won't share too much right now, but we at one time had ample funding to do something very special with a famous lens company in Europe, and we got the 
they got the midnight phone call not to work with us because we were mm-hmm. embarking on going the next level of microscopy, you know, based on these principles that we're talking right. about. So uh, love to put our heads together with you guys. I can see a lot of synergy happening. And this is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best podcasts we've ever had. So thank Ooh. you so much, you guys. <laughs> And uh, love to see you up here and and just get more cooperation for the future. Uh, It'd be a wonderful thing. And there's a real reason why kindred spirits are finding each other at this time, because we've got a lot of work to do. And I, for one, wouldn't miss it for anything in the world. Yeah, this is why we're here is for this moment, you know, and and just to show you a couple other pictures real quick. um, You talked about seeing something that looked like the baby in the blood. Um, There's the sonogram on the top and there's the image from the blood right below it. Wow. You know, and it was funny because I was doing a training course um, learning about the, the dry layer stuff and the urine saliva pH and in Chicago with our guy who teaches the microscope stuff. And uh, I found this image. This woman was six months pregnant. So you can see the umbilical cord there and everything. Awesome. Um, the last picture we'll show is actually there's two. This one's kind of cool. Um, nervous system things that you see in the blood that happen to match your anatomy books, right? Uh, This one. Okay, so Western medicine says this is dirt. This is an artifact on your slide, which happens to show up in every drop of blood we take from you. Hmm, Hmm. interesting. And happens to really look like a femur that's broken. Like this is a really specific picture. Now the amazing, awesome, interesting, weird thing about this picture is this was a distance consultation. We send out slide kits around the states. You just take a drop of blood on the slide, you send it back to us overnight, we get the images, we get on the phone with you, uh, talk to you about it, we send you a report. So this one came in through the mail. Dad looked at the blood and said, oh, broken bone. There's nothing on the history form. So they called a woman up, she's an older woman, and say, broken bone. She says, no, 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 no broken bones. Okay, that doesn't make sense. Why would this show up? Dad says, no, 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 call her back like a week later. She's old, maybe she forgot. No, 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 no broken bones. Dad's like, I don't, I don't understand this. You know, the third week, they call her again. And she says, stop calling me. I did not break a bone. So, <clears throat> okay, dad doesn't know what the heck's going on with this one. Uh, a month later, we get a call. Guess who broke a bone? Now, the story here, too, is that uh, the woman was the grandmother. She was taking care of her children and the grandchildren. And she was tired of taking care of everybody. And you be careful what you ask for, okay? Uh, you tired of taking care of everyone? You don't want to take care of everyone? Well, someone broke a bone, and guess who had to be taken care of? Wow. Now, we, we do have to tell you that she did not break that bone, but the body knew. She was setting herself up. And you've heard this. Someone is an accident waiting to happen. All right? So wow. for people listening, think for a moment. Words are power. I don't want to take care of everyone. We heard the universe doesn't understand the word don't. So you need to say what you want to do. Dad and yes. Josh kept saying, we don't want to do this. And the clinic got shut down. And maybe if they said, had they said, we want to do this, something different would have happened. At the same time, I do think the closing down of the clinic was one of the best things that could have happened to us. Because, you know, sometimes you squash something and it explodes. So they thought they had squashed our dad. And Josh and I, we started traveling the world to share this work with the people. And, you know, you can put a bullet in my head, but you can't kill the words I said. So. Our mission was to make sure this work lived longer than our father. And I really feel like the, we don't believe in coincidences as Spain was happening and logistics and everything. 
Josh and I were back in California for a short window of time when, as we were visiting, going to visit our parents, and we got the call that dad had to be taken to the hospital. Dad's time was, was done. He did what he was here to do, and it was now his time to rest, and it was time for us to take the, take the reins. And we're not here to fight. We're here to share with people. So we just want to work with people. We want people to lead happy, healthy lives. If you lead a happy, healthy life, we're going to have a better world. And the last thing I'll tell you, which I'm really excited about, um, Steiner, awesome. The more we learn about this guy, he was a hero, okay? Um, the agriculture, we want to be involved. Um, we just had someone recently reach out to us that um, is, has a Waldorf school. And the cool thing is that they are interested in having us integrate into their curriculum. So you have children that can potentially be growing up without germ theory. <laughs> That'd be nice to see. That's yeah. the future. And it, you know, uh, well, do you know what Dr. Emoto did with, his, uh, with the children's book that he created? Um, he created, before he passed away, he spoke at the United Nations. And he created a children's book, 650 million children's books, which is, I guess, a tenth of the Earth's population. So what he did was, Mishiko will travel the world to any school that invites her. She teaches the kids how water has memory, how it's affected by us and our emotions, and then how we are mostly water. So you have children that are being nicer to each other because they understand how words are power and emotions affect us. That is our future. I get chills. I'm, I've been getting chills since the, the bone future thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a, <laughs> and the reality is, you know, we're not here to convince people. We're not here to be convinced. We're here to share information. We want people to really look at themselves, find out things for themselves. You know, we're happy to come into the picture to support what's going on. And the reality is you do the blood a few times and you don't need to do it. There's a point in time where we take the train, we get it back on the track and you start going the right direction and you don't have to come see us anymore. You will lead a happy, healthy life. And that's awesome because what do you do? Lead by example. And people love, go, what did you do? Huh. And I love what you guys are doing up there because I've been doing the blood work for a long time. And, and honestly, I'm a little tired of working with people. <laughs> and I want to get more into what you guys are doing with soil and water because there's a whole world there. And so now my theory is if we can create a healthier soil, then maybe people can start to grow their spinal cord back. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what I always told my wife, I enjoy very much being a farmer at this point in my life because plants don't talk back to you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, also, uh, also, Adam, you know, I have a good friend in uh, New Mexico who's an accomplished Waldorf teacher, and uh -huh. he's taking it to another whole level, and we're actually put our heads together and designing cool. a curriculum mostly on his end, but he's conferring with me on it, uh, you know, based on all these same principles that we're talking about. So, nice. so we, we have a, a generation to look forward to, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I was trained in curriculum design as an elementary school teacher. So I feel oh. like I have a, I have a role here. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah. You know, besides the musician and the frequency and all that whole experience, um, anything I can do to support what you guys are doing, I would love to, you know, if we can, get something here going and something there going and then put heads together and start to you know, do that. Someone told me recently that reached out, he's a Waldorf teacher trainer. And he said, he, he said, I'm not sure if you're aware, Adam, but he said the whole parents against vaccinations movement in the United States, at least came from Waldorf parents. Makes sense. And he said that one of the things that used to happen is the anthroposophical doctors would have community chats and they would speak with the parents and the children. And this was one thing that brought the whole community together. 
So this is one thing we're going to be doing now. I'm going to be lecturing to the parents and the teachers and ideally starting to get the children involved, look at some blood and change the world. It's going to be a better place. And we're going through a transition. If we can eat a little bit of popcorn and watch the ridiculousness as if it's a movie and get our joy in our little peaceful environments and, you know, make sure we're starting locally, um, then things are going to be, things are definitely changing. I do believe in a silent majority because the loud children are having their temper tantrum and the rest of us are building bridges. The Dr. Kaufman's of the world, awesome. The wool is going to be pulled back or the rug is going to be pulled back and we are going to have a real nice infrastructure of bridges that have been built. Our community has been divided and conquered historically and we are coming together. And anything we can do to support that is what we want to do. So we really appreciate you bringing us on. We appreciate what you're doing with the earth. Um, someone said to us, you know, Josh says, well, let's save the earth and then people, you know, whatever, they'll be fine. Um, the earth really doesn't need our help. Um, part of it is if we shut up and get out of the way, we can learn from the earth. You know, when we were in Spain, we saw the farm. The person doesn't water his farm. We're blown away. He says, no one waters the forest. Huh. Well, yeah. Dad said doctors lost it when they thought they could improve on what nature did. And the farmers told us the same thing, that farming lost it when they thought they could improve on what nature did. We support it. It's going to be here long after us. It's been here long before us. And we are a part of it. Anna Maria Oliva says, what makes you think you stop at your fingertips when part of your respiration, your respiratory system is in that tree over there? Exactly. We Permaculture, baby. Permaculture. Awesome. I mean, getting, it's what... Getting chills again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, guys, thank you so much. Um, Adam, I think you're still host here, but... Um, yeah. Uh, or maybe not. Um, but hey, this has just been an incredible podcast. And let's stay connected. There's a lot of work going on behind the scenes. And uh, we've got the, um, we're working hard on this reunion summit, which is going to be a massive worldwide online summit that will awesome. have talks from people like Dr. Melissa Sell. And a lot of these talks were live uh, in Joshua Tree at an event that we recorded. And then we're also doing supplemental Zooms. And maybe we could even have you included in that. We're doing a, I'm planning hopefully to have a panel with Dr. Berlando, Dr. Cowan, and Dr. Andrew Kaufman, and maybe we throw you in that or we do a whole separate thing. But the idea is this is going to be a massive seven-day free summit to really, it's called Reunion Summit, and it's about bringing humanity back into the fold of where we need to go. And it's cool. all about the, building that infrastructure so that once the, the crazies kind of do, you know, do their thing and it all kind of falls apart, which we're seeing, then there's mm. all this beautiful new reality that's just already unfolded. And we're just trying to educate yes. and get people uh, really aware of that. So we cover everything from next level, uh, natural law, common law stuff to uh, everything related to what we talked about today with health to um, new economic systems, decentralized systems, permaculture, everything that we need to create this uh, new reality that's already here. Like, I feel like we're, Bear and I, we're already in it. But, um, you know, it sounds like you guys are too, of course, with what you're doing. And, and it's, all, it's all here. It's all here. Yeah. So um, anyways, knowledge is power. And thanks so much, guys, for everything you're doing. It's really inspirational and something that... Um, we will help you with as much as we can and, um, and have our community. They're already talking in chat here about doing a crowdfund for the microscope and, and um, all cool. sorts of cool stuff. So we have a powerful community. It's all about community building. 
And uh, if you guys are on Telegram, please jump into our Telegram, t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic and join the community there or on Discord or just uh, join our mailing list uh, if you're listening and want to get involved. Um, and uh, what is the your website again, guys, that we can direct people to? We are thebigglesonmethod.com. If you the type up Biggleson, you'll find us. Um, it's B as in boy, I-G-E-L-S-E-N. Thebigglesonmethod.com. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, Ooh. but at this point, we, we work under a private association. So we don't work with the public. People need to be a member of our private association so we can legally talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. And That's for cool. people listening, it's Dad's book, The Holographic Blood Book. It talks about all of this and it talks about it in, in layman's terms. You know, it's yeah. got great pictures. This is what we do. We do our training courses. It's that book. We do our lectures. It's that book. So if you want to know more, check that one out. And with our membership, we do a membership $99. We've been doing lifetime membership because we have a private area of the website. Um, we're here to educate. You know, we're here to share information. And we've got information on our website. Uh, for people listening, as things are getting weird with all these information sharing platforms, um, feel free to grab some of our information and share it. We have some yeah. wonderful videos out there. And we'd love to, we'd love that to, to make some, get some more momentum. Yeah, this is why we focus on decentralization here. It's the same with health. Everyone's unique. Everyone's different. And the same, we need to get off these centralized Google Google's ons, you know, yeah. the Amazon Googles of the world. And um, it's all happening. It's all yeah. amazing. So anyways. Uh, Thank you again, gentlemen. Thank, yeah. you. Thank so you very much. All and pleasure. I have a feeling we'll be seeing more of you. We look forward to it. Most definitely. Thanks for having awesome. us on. Good. Awesome. Yeah, we'd love, we'll have you back on definitely in the future. There's so much we can just delve into and uh, let's work together. And thanks so much, everybody listening. Thanks for your support. If you resonated with this discussion, um, as Adam and Josh were just saying, please share it, get it out there, uh, hit the like button, please subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, well, maybe get off YouTube, but we are <laughs> still using YouTube. So please like, share, it helps the algorithm while we're still on there. We'll be putting this on BitChute as well. We're really focusing on getting uh, onto, more onto BitChute for now, probably do library. And then uh, as Cordal grows, we'll have our own platform on there. Um, but yeah, uh, please uh, share this information. This, is, uh, this will be everywhere where podcasts exist. Uh, so thank you so much everybody today we love you get outside grow something get your feet in the soil go for a hike mother nature is always the best healer love you guys cheers